To the first official podcast of the Metal Fellas. Metal Fellas. I am your host this week. My name is Rusty Singleton, and joining me are two of my greatest friends and one of my greatest siblings. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. We got uh, we got my brother Aaron Singleton. Hello, everybody. Hello Aaron. And then we also have. My friend Jake Stutzman, guitarist extraordinaire. Wow. Thank you, sir. Happy to be here. And last but most certainly not least is my good friend Britton Anderson, the ruler of rhythm, the keeper of time. Everyone say hello. Hello. What's up? What's up, boys? Glad to uh, glad to have you all here. Glad to be here, man. I'm glad we can uh, all join together and do this thing. Absolutely, um, you know we had we all had a really good conversation last time, uh, talking about Dream Theater's latest album. That's and right. um, for those of you who heard, who heard that discussion on Aaron's podcast, A Journey Through Time and Stuff, I hope you all enjoyed it. And uh, afterwards, we just kind of said, "Hey, let's let's make this a regular thing." Yeah, let's, let's just talk about some fucking great music. Yes. Yep. I'm a. Uh, I'm down. Great there. music. None of the mediocre shit. No. <laughs> Nothing. Only great music. music. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, it only makes sense being that music was the thing that bonded at least three of us together I mean, initially. Yeah. So you know, it just kind of makes sense that we continue that trend in the future. Yeah. And then kind of evolve it into something that works for all of us being in different places now. Mm -hmm. So this is a really rad opportunity. I agree. And it's a hell of a lot of fun for me. Oh, absolutely. I look forward to it. I think it's, uh, you know, you know, the, the last album we did and the one that, you know, we're going to do today are in genres that, uh, you know, that we're all pretty familiar with and intimate with, but I'm yeah. kind of thinking maybe we can, as we go on, go outside a bit. You oh, know? oh yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, yeah. I, I'm already, I have like my next three planned out. And unless one of you happen to have like brain waved my brain and thought of the same album, I don't think you're going to be expecting what's I, what I got coming. So good. Jake. Excellent. Yo. <laughs> Are I you, love it. Are you brainwashing doing that? That's gonna be Jake. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Am I what? You you have you have some stuff up your sleeve for us for the future. I just know it. I have some but, good shit up my sleeve for sure. I'm mm -hmm. just waiting patiently. I'm over here like, yeah, let's get through these. And uh, we have between the four of us like a really eclectic metal taste, yeah. a very eclectic mm -hmm. metal palette. Yes. And diving into that, I think it's just going to be a blast. I do too. So, and, and I do want to say, I do want to say for everybody listening out there really fast, um, the intro music you heard was actually all recorded by Jake. Uh, Hello. He, uh, the guitars, the bass, the, the 
drums well programmed him but it's all yeah. him he sent me the stems i mixed it uh added the choir in the background and uh some mastering touches and so but that's what you heard man that's coming right from the house so props to him i love those moments where i get sent an audio track and it's like here's what i have in my brain and i go i can i can regurgitate that in like 30 seconds yeah um the bass, honestly, the bass was the, the longest part. I think I did the guitar in four takes. I mean, it start to finish the whole bit yeah. in four takes. Mm-hmm. Yep. The bass took me about 25. <laughs> go, go figure. And it follows the damn guitar. How okay. hard is this, Jake? Bass is a fickle mistress. It's a fickle mistress. But she's a pretty mistress back here. That is very true. That is very that true. Is absolutely true. Yes. Oh, wait. Yes, Number. indeed. It's over oh. here. All right. Well, well, uh, Rusty, take us into this. What do we got? Well, today it was, well, you know, because Aaron kind of semi-picked the last album that we did. Mm -hmm. We decided to go in order of age, descending age. So my, it is my turn next. And I chose the album, The Mountain, which is the third studio album from the band Haken. The English prog band. Love the t-shirt. Yes, I, the I got this when I saw Bent Knee, Leprous, and Haken here in Portland. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. That, that, that sounds like an awesome show. <laughs> sounds like an awesome show. Sounds like a it rough night, huh, Rusty? Man, I just, oh. I just feel for you, Aaron. I'm sure that was tough. Yeah, it was horrible. But yeah. I'm glad to see mm-hmm. you came out shining like a diamond on the other side. Shining like a diamond. <laughs> Go, little Alrighty. rock star. <laughs> So, um, before we dive into the album, let's just kind of talk about um, just our familiarity with the band in general. Because I assume prior to this, all of us had at least heard of the band and listened to them a bit. I know Britton and I had listened to their other album, uh, another one of their albums, Visions, together one day. That was that was a fun that was a fun time. Mm-hmm. And uh, yep, yep. So what? Uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on the band in general before we dive into this album? Let's start let's start with you, Britton. I they're super dynamic. So a lot of the things I love about Dream Theater, like we discussed last week a little bit too, also cross over to Haken quite a bit. They're super dynamic. So the I mean, they can hit grunge and everything technically, but they can also and throughout this album too, they back off, you know, the intensity and crank up the musicality. I mean, the acapella sections in some of the songs, the, the super light vocals and ballad movements. Uh, and then they just absolutely crunch and rock the shit out of it, too. So they, they hit the gamut, which is super interesting to me is what, let's keep, what keeps me hooked on this album specifically, but also Visions, which I think was the first one I'd actually heard of theirs, um, especially from beginning to end. You know, they had come into my fold originally through Spotify's you know Discover playlist and that's where my mind started getting into getting into them a lot more. They hit my regular rotation. Um, some of their songs, uh, like you know, Cockroach King from this album too, super earwormy. They can just stick with you for a while. And also from a rhythmic perspective, you know, too, as a drummer, a lot of those polyrhythms that they also incorporate too across them are insane. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Their their drummer uh, Raymond is a monster. Yes, he is. Oh man. Yes, yeah. he is. That's an understatement, too, probably. Alrighty. Well, yeah. What about uh, what about you, Jake? What do you think about this band as you've have you as you've listened to them? Huh. 
I remember I I couldn't remember exactly when it was, but I remember texting you about them one day because something had sparked my interest and I had discovered them organically. And you and Aaron and Britton were all in unison going, well, yeah, you asshole. Like, how have you not heard of them before now? Because this was recent. This was like within the last probably, I don't know, nine months or so. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yep, the mountain. You need the mountain. Listen to the mountain. I'm like, okay, God. <laughs> Damn, I'm I'm working on. Just give me a minute. Um, definitely in the dream theater vein. Definitely firmly rooted in the prog genre. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. Which, as Britton said earlier, I'm here for that. So, to that end, I did in my research, and in this uh, like three pages of notes that I wrote out today, mm-hmm. um, I just thought <laughs> it would be interesting to go through Wikipedia and see what Wikipedia had to say. Mm-hmm. Um, about this album specifically, uh, let's see, Kevin of the monolith called it a fantastic album that combines elements from all over the musical spectrum, boasting jazz, classic prog, modern prog and metal as main influences while weaving through the likes of choral funk and soul as well. It has fantastic writing, amazing musicianship and really personable, relatable theme and sounds clear as a bell. Yes. Yeah, can definitely vouch for that. The yeah, sound, the, 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 the mix on this is phenomenal. Phenomenal. For, because there are six instruments. There are six people in this yeah. band playing. And you hear and all of them. them. is perfect and clear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And nobody steps on anybody's toes. It's, it's, right. it's a masterclass in, in mixing and mastering. Absolutely. Well, and composition. I'm so glad I wrote that. And composition, oh, sure. because they yeah. don't step on each other's toes. Mm-mm. So I wrote down here because I found the information, and I thought it would maybe be an interesting tidbit, but it was mixed and mastered by Jens Borgen. And I don't know anything about his body of work, but I think it would be really interesting for us to do a little bit of research on him and see what else he's got out there in the, in the ether. Because I'll bet there's some other really fascinating shit that we've yet to up, upturn. That's a really good point. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So if you guys know about Jens Borgen, hook us up. That's right. That's right. Um, I mm-hmm. had this other thing that that's I found pretty. really interesting. And it, it, has been, uh, it has been cited by Dream Theater keyboardist Jordan Rudis and by drummer Mike Portnoy as their top, as one of their top 10 albums from 2013. The Mountain, um, yeah, The Mountain made the band gain a more substantial fan base. Uh, and at Prague Sphere, it won first place in albums in 2013 and fourth place in the Prague Report. Ooh. So I thought, well, that's freaking interesting. So, of course, the boys in Dream Theater know about it. And of course, it's on the top of their radar because mm-hmm. it's awesome. Yeah. Well, Britain, what were you going to say, bud? I was going to say, I, the, I remember his name, the, 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 the mixer that did the album. Um, I'm, pretty sure given his Swedish descent would be Jens, but regardless, the he's huge in Symphony X, James Liberty solo albums, Amon Amarth, uh, and Opeth. I mean tons of huge names there. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Because right. I was going I was actually going to bring up um I got turned on to them because of listening to Opeth is how mm-hmm. I first came upon Haken. They were just a shuffled in mm-hmm. band uh European, you know, I mean let's give it to me and their sound uh ghost in the reverence is really similar mix wise to this sound 
Definitely. Like they're 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 very wide and 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 airy, and they they sound a lot alike. Um, I am a a gigantic Haken fan. As soon as I heard them, um, and actually it was um, it wasn't even the mountain I heard first. It was um, uh, oh, uh, a. Uh, the first Aquarius. Uh, Aquarius. Thank you. I, I want to say aquarium and I don't know why my brain did that. Yeah. It was Aquarius. I heard first and I was like, Oh, I, I like this. And immediately, and then I just, it was uh, in about 2014, I discovered them. And so all they had out at that time were their first three albums, Aquarius visions, hate and the mountain. Um, and I, I ate it up. I just digested it all. It was, new and and amazing to me um i'm a huge gentle giant fan and so the thing that really turned me on to this band is their their comfort their comfort with multi-part distinct vocal projects not not just not just three-part harmonies or four-part harmonies they have multiple pro multiple layerings going on and they are mm-hmm. counterpointing each other and just as dynamic as the keyboards and the bass and the guitars work e- to each other their voices do that to each other too and they do that live uh, when i yeah. saw them it, i was waiting to watch all the songs that, that they would put and like they do they jump around they are amazing vocalists uh as well as instrumentalists and um yeah, it they are they are kind of the essence of you know Prague. I mean, they really are. They take it from all the classics. And the other cool thing that I really love about them, since the mountain, for anybody out there curious, um, they widely vary in their mu- in in their in where they went directionally in their music. So the latest stuff, like I saw them on the Virus tour, and um, it was. Yeah. Or the vector tour. I'm sorry, not virus. The vector tour, and they're it is different. They are if you're if you're looking to listen to them and them sound like they did on the mountain or visions, you are not going to find that in their later catalog because they changed and you know they evolved as musicians. I appreciate that. I appreciate that that they're exploring and you know they have a whole they have a, an album called 1985 and it is all 80s based sound and they really wanted to explore that sound and they you know they gave us they gave a lot so it's cool i i approve of the hakan <laughs> yes indeed yeah that's always really good when there's a band that doesn't rest on their laurels and they you know they they approach an album one way and then they get their fill of that say like, okay now let's scrap that completely and try something new yeah and it doesn't always work every time, but you no. know, um, but some, you know, and one band that comes to mind just as a tangent real quick is Trivium. Yeah. Trivium is a band that, you know, that varies mm-hmm. from album to album, sometimes better, sometimes worse, but they always have the balls to try and, you know, you know what, we're going to change this up on this album. Well, it seems like with Trivium, with Haken, with Opeth, um, with a lot of these kind of really uh, forward thinking genre defining bands or genre uh, expanding bands it seems like they're chasing a sound and once they find that sound they 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 get they give it up immediately and they chase the next sound and with haken specifically since that's what we're talking about you know uh, aquarius came out and it was really forward think like 
they they bit off more than they could chew as a songwriting band. It felt like like their 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 idea for it was bigger than I think they were ready to really fill the shoes of yet. But they That's went fair. but yeah. they went for it. Visions was a jump in engineering quality and and fluidity in the thing and fluidity in like the actual flow of the the album and then the mountain hits and it is like the culmination of the first two albums into c- the masterpiece they were looking for you know yeah. i i think and then as soon as the mountain happened the next album does not sound like the last three and it seems like they went like oh we we found it let's not keep pounding it into the ground this sound we we gave it to our fans you know what i mean Mm-hmm. No, that's yeah, absolutely, and that that's a completely accurate statement. I feel, and like you said, that's something I I definitely appreciate about them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, cool. Well, uh, yeah, let's dive in. Let's. So, um, I guess the first thing I want to talk about before we get too far is there are um, depending on what platform you're listening to, there's the standard issue. And then there is a deluxe reissue version that has two bonus tracks on it. Correct. So I'm just making sure that we are we're all on the same page on which ones we heard. Well, I would say basically we're talking about can the canon of the album, which would be the nine original. That is mm-hmm. the summation of everything there. You could talk about ten and eleven, but they are reworks and or like this number 10 is an instrumental version of an earlier the beginning track and then Mm -hmm. nobody the 11th bonus track is just kind of an acoustic reprise of somebody which is nine so Mm -hmm. uh they i didn't do any of my actual like thinking and digesting and formulation of the album on the bonus tracks Uh, okay just because this the story ends at nine at somebody and it's perfect there you know it's agreed yeah okay what do you got what about you jake and britain what do you guys did what did you i know i think britain you and i talked about it just a little bit ago where we you know mm-hmm. and uh yeah so what about yeah, you jake Spot- what- spotify spotify on the on on their section they don't call it like a digital or exclusive or digital edition or mm-hmm. any sort of special edition, yeah. thing the album just shows all 11 tracks with the path unbeaten and nobody at the end right, um, right. and i have listened to it in summation but yeah i i don't I, I, it's intriguing like to the ear for the last two tracks but they don't contribute anything to you know the overall album other than kind of that feel good sort of yeah. closer material like you know the play is over right the 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 curtains have dropped and now it's just it's their music for people to come out and do their bows and yeah and people walking out of the theater right that's that's what i how i equate it agreed agreed i'd say you're spot on i haven't read this since i wrote it but here's what i wrote at the end of it i see why the last two tracks are bonus tracks while they're nice to listen to, I don't think they enhance the body of work found within the mountain. We're no worse off by the tracks not being on the album. Yeah. I, okay. Okay. Yep. I think awesome. that's that's how I feel about it, or how I felt I'm, about it immediately after the last listen where I wrote my notes on it, you know? Right. Okay. Well, then I think we're all on the same page. We can just kind of yeah. cut it off there at uh, after somebody. Yeah. So, all righty. Well, anyway. 
let's start at the beginning yes on the path well i would and, say uh, rusty give us mm-hmm. uh, give us your overall kind of thoughts and impression on the album and start us off on on a on a specific album feel as a whole the body kind of maybe the message give us a uh run us through a bit of that sure okay well there's a couple different main interpretations of this album from that i hold like it kind of depends on how i'm feeling um because the when they when they wrote the album it was Unlike the first two albums, which are which are concept albums with a narrative, a firm narrative structure where there's a story going on from song to song, yeah. this album's not quite like that. Although I do think that there are some songs that you could patch together as like a you know part of a narrative story. I don't think the album from beginning to end fits in that category, but I do think that it does have like a more vague concept. Yeah, it has more of you know. <laughs> There's, it's not a story arc, but there is an arc to the album that you experience when you go from beginning to end. And, you know, the way I... Well, I think it even I, gives a main character. Like, there is a character to follow through, I think. Yeah, although I, th- I don't think, uh, as we'll go through, I'm not sure every song is from that character's point of view. Oh, okay. interesting. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that as we go along. But... The main theme, as I take it from this album, I have listened to it many number of times, is a metaphorical climbing of a mountain where you have ambitions and you're driven and you're strong and and you're, you know, you're ready to reach the peak and you do. And then you fall down the other side Mm -hmm. and and you, you experience all of the crushing lows that come with you know, reaching your peak, but never getting there again and losing it. Mm. And that's kind of, and that's something that I think a lot of people can relate to. Yeah. You know? Um, so yeah, that's, uh, yeah. that's what I get from what, what is the main arc of this album? And it works on a, a lyrical and a musical perspective, oh, Yes, you know? Um, oh, what's up, Britt? I, I, I smell the wood burning. Don't have deja, any, any deja vu going on right now at all on a, a little bit a little yeah. bit a little bit yeah I, I felt like we just had this conversation yeah you know very similar to very similar to this. Mm. i think there is a lot of parallels to that for to that first episode but um, there are but yeah i, I certainly agree mm-hmm. well i think i think that this album in particular and the kind of loosely based thematic concept that they they created has a lot of parallels to anybody writing the uh the Phoenix into the sun story arc, um, more or less. Uh, I, I, I think, you know, it, it becomes mm-hmm. very, very familiar feeling. I think it's kind of one of those natural human, uh, like the, the a natural human meme to, uh, mm-hmm. strive to achieve and to fall, you know, it's, it, yeah. it's comfortable. Right. Um, so that's, although there are some days that I listen to this album and I do definitely, you know, relate to a, a protagonist that's in this album where, you know, you can definitely see how he, I'm, I guess I'm just going to go ahead and call it a he, sure. um, how he goes through this journey and learns new things about himself, you know, both good and bad. Um, yeah. So th- that, that is, if anyone who experiences this album that way isn't wrong. 
but I kind of look at it as just more of a loose concept mm. than a firm story. Hmm. So, Fair um, yeah. Go. Another question for you, Rusty. Um, yeah. And I think I know the answer, but for the sake of dialogue, yeah. you know, this is an album that you picked for us to to go through today. Yes. What is? Yeah, yeah. Where where are you? Like, what's your influence for something? And and I'd say personal attachment to this album. Okay. Um, well, like um, <laughs> like uh, I first discovered Haken in my at my last job. I was working in a warehouse, and I, in one of my main parts of this warehouse, it was, a, it was a food storage warehouse, and I was in the cooler a lot. And I had I was I just downloaded Spotify. This was probably this was in 2013. And I was just on Spotify and I didn't have premium yet. So I was just listening to on shuffle on the radio going through and I was on dream theater radio and a song by Hagen came up. Yeah. As one does. And it was a song. I want to say it was, I mean, I know it was a song from their first album Aquarius. I don't remember exactly which one it was, but like Aaron said, it's just something that immediately grabbed me. It's like, Whoa, this is different. This yep. is I've never heard Prague like this before. Yep. And then a, a few songs later, another one would come up and another one come up. And then came Cockroach King. And my first thoughts when I heard this song was that was weird. I don't like it. Skip. <laughs> that was nope, not, not doing it for me. That was my first really? thoughts on that song. Yep. But Oh, but then, but like Britain said, and we'll get to this more when we get to that song, but like Britain said, there's an earworminess there. And all of a sudden, throughout the day, part melodies of that song stayed in my head. Yeah. I'm like, what? Why is this happening? And so finally, sometime later, I went through and I found that song again, and I actually listened to the whole album. Like, mm -hmm. I, I might as well, right? Because this won't leave me alone. And yeah. my thoughts immediately changed. Yeah. And it, uh, it's like, oh, I get it now. I understand what, what the appeal is. Cause so many people were raving about this album online. I'm like, I got to see what this is. And, oh, okay. Yeah. It makes sense. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then also, uh, kind of like some of their unconventional vocal approaches kind of opened my eyes up to different genres of prog like a lot more classic you know bands like yes and gentle giant that did that kind of thing yep. it allowed me to explore those avenues too so it was like a, a big conduit for expanding you know my palette of of listening for sure and so that's kind of why i uh, i picked this one because it's so each song gives you something different even ones that are you know maybe even a couple songs that are little short piano ballads they're all vastly different from each other and yes. uh, i just thought that this would be a great album to uh for discussion and maybe we might have some differing opinions on what each song means or mm -hmm. if the quality of them but i was just, i wanted to hear all your thoughts on it as well beautiful words yeah. was that satisfactory britain <laughs> I, I mean, I, I like the 
the contrast of saying like your your first initial listen to Cockroach King was was I hate the song, skip it, thumbs down, whatever yeah. on Spotify, right? And mm-hmm. then it sticks with you long enough where you come back to it and it's like let's see, let's listen to it in context, let's figure it out and see mm-hmm. what it means or or what the significance of some of the melodies and you know, some of those hooks are because there, there's th- that song goes all over the place okay. and there are pieces that are connected to other songs in that album for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Agreed. Okay. So let's, uh, but let's get, let's save it for when we get there. We got two songs to talk about. First. Yeah. 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 Well, so I was going to say yeah. real quick as, as, as just a summation of the whole album, um, yeah, go for it. you know, I, I think that this is, I don't, I found through multiple listens to this recently that it is, it's hard for me to not find, especially when you read the lyrics with the song. If you're just listening to it as a, as just a listen, I, I can understand how it may not feel more specific of a hero's journey, um, or, or a protagonist journey. I don't call our character in this album a hero, but I no. think there is a through line with a character almost explicitly talked about through the entire album. I think they are vague on who this character is. I do not think that they pay a lot of heed to developing him as a character. I think they just talk about his journey. And because of that, it is unspecific, but I I find myself, you know, um, feeling bad for somebody in yeah. somebody in that song, mm-hmm. it is not just a general feeling of bad. Like I'm almost relating to me having a dream and failing. No, no, there's a, there is a character at the end of this album that I feel bad for. And I think yeah. that that is part of the genius of this album is without specifically telling you about him. Well, other than the second song, which of course we're going to get to, you know, mm-hmm. they, they build a, they build somebody up and you watch him fall. Mm hmm. And I, and I think it's, I think it's subtle enough that, uh, it makes it intriguing. I think it is part of the earworminess is the subtleness of the explanation of this character, you know? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah. And like I said, you know, earlier, that's to, to interpret it that way is completely legitimate and it's fair. Um, you know, and they're like, and I will admit that for the many first two times that i listened to this album i didn't read the lyrics along with it i just took it as a complete audio experience right and it wasn't until last couple months i guess that i actually you know what let me actually read the lyrics to these songs along with it and then that's when so much more clicked oh yeah yeah oh yeah okay um starting with the path i uh this is such an interesting opener for an album of this scope. You know, it's starts off, you know, it's so personal, just, you know, with a lot of, uh, it's piano driven, you know, with just, it's almost a ballad, I would say, you know, and it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's with, with an album that goes so many places, it's a rather humble opening, I would say. You know, but it does kind of mm-hmm. set the stage as, you know, to, to this character. And uh, I take it as basically, you know, a song of someone talking about life, basically. 
you know, there's mm-hmm. it consists of, you know, three verses. The first verse, you know, which is a, a, a brilliant move orchestrally, you know, the first verse has a really major feel to it. Yes. It's very up, happy and uplifting. The second verse drops down into more of a minor feel. And it's it perfectly mirroring the lyrics, which, you know, go from the first verse is a kind of a positive outlook on life going up to, uh, you know, then the second one is more of a pessimistic view, I would say, you know, like kind of what's the point. And then the, with the third verse, kind of some being a summation of both of those. Yeah. Kind of how I, it's, it's how I see it anyway. Yeah. I, I would, I would have actually, uh, you know the the song to me the whole album to me is an allegory for uh a way to live a life um uh, the mountain being life so the mountain itself is life you are Fair. necessarily having to climb it is there is no speedy trip to the top some never even reach the top some go down the other side so in that mm. the path being the first thing is kind of to me, it is, it is, it is giving the, it is laying down the foundation for the whole concept of the album. The first verse, and I think it just it talks about life in a view of optimism, pessimism, and then a mix of both. Yeah, because that's possible, and you hear it. It's an optimistic verse, a pessimistic verse, and then a mixed, a juxtaposition of the two, the yin and the yang, of life. And how to view it, mm. for sure. And I, I see, I see this in, in relation to the just the concept of storytelling as being a lot like a monologue of of you know the character or you know the protagonist of the story stepping forward, aside from you know the the body of the rest of the album and setting the stage for exactly that. Right, the first part of the album, which as we're going to get to as well, has. A lot of positivity centered around a vision, more or less, which is what the next yeah. song talks about. But mm-hmm. uh, looking at effectively the mountain, right, and saying, how am I going to get to the damn top, right? And that's what the bottom is like. Well, we're not going to get to the top by just sitting around, right? We have to forge the path and move forward. Um, you know, we're going to sing our song. We'll play our hand. Those are the last two lines of that verse. And the other thing I wanted to talk about, too, is, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's very vocal heavy, a lot of you know, really, really good harmony, melody, and a lot of good, in you know, a lot of, a lot of good key changes to set the mood. Like Rusty mentioned, major, minor. Um, mm-hmm. It's written by the drummer. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and in as part of my research too, I, I, I didn't, I didn't know how they really composed or really written. I mean, of course, I'm familiar with their music, but I never got into you know, this level of, of it's an analysis and he's the drummer has, has wrote at least half of this album. Yeah. And so has written a, a fairly solid number of their songs. All, overall. all of the early composition was done by Richard Henshaw, the guitar player, and then Raymond Heal, the drummer. Those two guys were best friends. Yeah, yeah. They were friends with Ross Jennings back in the day. They were the formation of Haken. Um, Charlie Griffiths, mm-hmm. all the, everybody came later. Um, but yeah, it, Richard Henshaw, the guitarist and Raymond Heal, the drummer, those two guys were childhood friends. You know, they're the two, they're the guitarist drummer duo that think alike, write alike, 
embody they're the Hetfield and Lars of Metallica. I mean, that is mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. is who those mm-hmm. two guys are for Haken. And uh yeah, they're and they both sing as well. So they're doing, you know, they're huge. Yeah. Which as a drummer, the hardest possible thing that a drummer can do is play and sing at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's insane to me, for one, especially at that level. But yeah, regardless. And when they're singing in polyrhythm with the drums they're playing. Yes. Unreal. He just unreal. Yeah. That's <clears throat> that's what separates them from Don Henley and Phil Collins. That's right there. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah, I um yeah, I think it is I think it is a beautiful opener and it and it gives you you know, at, at the end, it's almost easy to look back and think of our character at the end of this song saying the words to himself of the very first song. Looking yeah. back at the path he took, going sitting there after everything going this life is a dream, a gift we receive to live and to love, we forge the path. Like talking to people, you know, he is mm-hmm. it almost seems like a almost a reflection of the entire journey for the character. Mm-hmm. But it's also exactly explaining what's coming forward what's coming to you right yeah what are your thoughts on this one jake first of all i love the length of it i love that it's not five minutes or seven minutes like the rest of the album right like this song is we're Mm -hmm. gonna we're gonna give you our concept and we're gonna lay out this lyrical idea and let you stew on it we have the rest of the album so first of all love the length and as far as what I actually wrote about this is it's, it's very cut and dry, breathy intro, setting the tone for the album. And though I rarely listen to it or find myself listening to it when I, when I play the album cover to cover, um, it's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kind Great. of more one of those people that's like, I live by the uh, living musically as a, as an appreciator now. Um, by the line, don't bore us, get to the chorus. Okay. Yeah. So like, I'm ready to get into some action. Give me some distortion, punch me in the face a couple of times, mm-hmm. okay. but I definitely see why the song is here. And I'm glad that, glad that it is exact. Yes. Thank you, Britain. Thank you for those face punches. I'm bleeding just a little bit now. <laughs> Let me just, oh yeah. Uh, Take care of that. <laughs> Give you a, a tissue there. Okay. Yeah, I dig it though, man. It's a, it's a gorgeous song, it, and I'm mostly just jealous that I don't think I have the vocals, but the the vocal ability to reproduce it. So I'm just mm-hmm. jealous. Yep. Oh yep. yeah. All right. Well, uh, that one segues so smoothly directly into the next song. Atlas Stone. And the beginning of that song gives you the punches in the face that the first song set up. It does. That's it why sets I'm here. out in a Haken It sets out in a Haken way and Atlas Stone gives you just riffage, man. And what a great transition into what I think of as this is actually the introduction to our protagonist. They okay. describe I think this song describes a person with the feeling of Atlas, the, the 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 Greek mythological character literally carrying the stone on his back. He he has familiar burdens, he has life burdens, he doesn't know how to get out from under it. 
you know, maybe he's in his late 20s, college failed him, doesn't have, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of just kind of the generic, this is the story of our man um, yeah. who has the stone on his back. And the, 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 uh, I think it's the chorus that says it, carry the weight of the worlds on my shoulders, rise to the challenge I set myself. It, oh yeah. It it's internal. It is it's he's talking to himself here. This is the struggle of how do I get out from under this stone? Mhm. You know, it's like uh like it says in the first verse, you know, the mm-hmm. the line at the end of the first or the first stanza I should say, to free myself, I make a choice just to be heard, I lose my voice. So you know, he's he's trying everything he can you know he's shouting at the top of his lungs for people to try and notice him and so but he's still you know trapped so he's trying it's like i gotta make a choice to get out of this you know mm-hmm. um yeah and i think I that, do. That's something- sometimes you sell your house and move to utah i get it yeah you know <laughs> <laughs> oh for sure yeah that that happens you know um then there's a. Uh, you look into this into the second stanza, you know, finding my strength in solitude, I fight to fly with much to prove. So, you know, he again this kind of carries on the the first the message from the first stanza. Yeah, well, and I think it also highlights a little more that <clears throat> maybe he's ego driven a little bit. He he feels like he has something to prove. Maybe he feels um, you know, and Maybe he feels like he 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 was slighted a little bit and wants to get one over on somebody. Mm-hmm. No, that that's fair. You know, maybe he feels like he's a big fish in a small yeah, pond. Sure. You know, he's being held back by everyone around him. You know, um, the last line of uh, you know, of of the first verse, or is this the way it's meant to be? I risk it all. I will, or I will not fall. So yeah, there's that arrogance you're talking about. It's like I'm not going to fail. Well, and I'm he's recognizing the peak he has to climb in front of him. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. He knows he's risking it, but he knows that. Uh, but he feels in his being that he's he's too strong to fail. He's that he's going to succeed in whatever goals that he has. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. and the, I love how the uh, the music complements this. Yeah, because it's it's so it's so happy, it, you know. At least for the first half of the song, oh yeah, it's so it's it's very major. Lots of clean piano, no real distorted guitars. I mean, there's some riffs, but it's it's more of in like a classic Sound, prog yeah. kind of vibe. Not not really even metal, you know. Yep. And it's uh, so that all lifts it up, you know. Like this guy's ready to yeah start climbing the mountain to start his journey, mm-hmm. and he's just you know. He's just out of the, out of his mind with optimism. He's like Bilbo. We're going on an adventure. Optimism, but almost forced optimism. Like, like, yeah. he, like he needs to be optimistic to achieve this goal because he's kind of forced into having to pursue this. Like, yeah. you have mm-hmm. to climb this peak. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because you're trapped otherwise. Love it. What do you think, Britt? Atlas Stone. I have a lot of this, a lot of the same perspective too. I think just specifically in the transition from the path to Atlas Stone, the piano, the, you know, the grand piano kicking in, you know, the, the very, you know, happy melody, the top line melody, you know, then the, you know, the guitar, the drums kicking in, you know, along with the bass shortly thereafter. Um, 
very kind of building up this grandiose, you know, sort of view or perspective of, you know, the character's positivity. And I, the, you know, as it gets towards the, the chorus too, it re- really continues to build, just builds and builds and builds and builds to this point where there's so much, you know, full steam ahead. We're going, let's, let's, let's rock and roll. And then, you know, as the, the song dwindles on a bit too, that the theme does change a little bit where, you know, maybe they went a little too hard. Maybe the, you know, the weight of this is too much to bear. Um, there's, uh, I mean, I was trying to find the verse and the lyrics to it before you asked me the question. I think it's in, it's after the, after the solo. Oh, it's in the bridge. He, he starts talking. Mm-hmm. It's the out of sight, yeah. out of mind, back and forth conversation kind of thing. Um, Shadows of doubt. It's right, it's right before the second chorus. Yeah, the, yeah, it's yeah. Fight to survive, succumb to the path, conquer the feeling, fear, and nothing will fail. The quest to define oh. the struggle of mine, gravity, def, gravity defied. I climb beyond heights. Where to me, a lot of that is is the struggle to the the struggle of you know an insurmountable challenge, more or less. Um, you know trying to continue to tread water more or less or continue to stay, you know, fly and not fall, you know, back down the path you started uh, because that's, you know, life too, right. You're, you're forging the path for yourself and you're going up the you know, the side of the mountain or whatever the, the adverb you want to use, but you're, we're all pushing forward and trying, you know, as hard as we can not to, not to fail and, and establish the lives for ourselves. And then the, you know, carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders, rise to the challenge I set myself. Exactly that. Like, I'm setting the bar for myself this high, and I'm going to keep climbing, you know, regardless of the challenges there. And yeah, the the conversational part right there, two back and forth. I see is like, you know, the angel and devil on each shoulder, you know, questioning each other, you know, as your own intuition, your own conscience, more or less, of why are you doing this? Keep going back and forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I find I find the the bridge of the song um, a little a little telling of our character that that this is kind of f- to prove something because he sh- shadow the the words are shadows of doubt creep into the light a glimmer of hope never out of sight paralyzed under suppressive fire holding firm against a thin red line so he f- he literally feels like his back's to the wall. And he's ducking and having to move because shots like inside of his head, not saying that's physically happening to him. I'm saying he, he is in a place where he feels a little more than trapped and, and shadows of doubt. Like, can I really do, you know, it, Mm -hmm. I think we're seeing a, 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 a fragility in our character's mind. Mm hmm. I think, yeah, that first line, shadows of doubt, that kind of speaks to like the devil on the shoulder that Britain was talking about. You know, there's the voice that says, no, man, you can't do it. Yeah. You're not good enough for this. You, you're, you know, don't even try. What's the point? Which mm-hmm. also kind of goes back to this, this, that second stanza of the path where it's, you know, the more the negative one. It's like, you know, it's, we start in this world and it, you know, the pain of birth, you know, we, we try to our nightmare. It's, it's pointless. Yeah, our, our nightmare in birth, our struggle for worth. In vain we carry on our mission to become. Right. So that's the so the yeah the doubt kind of speaks to that a little bit, you know. So that's that part of his mind still 
taking hold and not letting them go. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. See, I kind of focused on the music here. Um, your guys' interpretations are way more interesting. I'm like, oh, that was a nice noise. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way you guys make noise <laughs> in my ear hole. <laughs> no, talk well, it goes back to, music, to right? Rusty's point earlier. It, it, it goes back to Rusty's point earlier, exactly, where you know, if you sit back and just listen to this as an experience versus as a point to understand the lyrics or or you know piece the the story and the musicality together if you just take it in without reading the lyrics without any of that and just hear you know the, the melody of the vocals mixed mixed with the instruments it's it's a compositional masterpiece it really is yes yeah, yeah i was trying to trying to think of like how damn difficult it would be to create this out of thin air yeah, oppositional. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. like you know, composition, compositional. Sorry, oh. <laughs> uh, we'll forgive it. Yep. You know, uh, the the yeah. struggle of songwriting in general is so fucking real. Yeah, and then to oh, yeah. think like, let's sit down in a room and we'll just pen this out, and like this is what's going to come from your efforts. I'm floored, regardless of of anything else, of any other thought I have about this album. Like, damn. You guys pulled that out of your hat. Yeah. And it's fucking impressive. Absolutely. Well, well I, I think I think we get to the di- the diamond in the rough in this album. I think uh yeah, oh, you know there's a couple much, yeah. Oh, yeah, you know, I think I just wanted to a uh, t- couple more things about this oh yeah. about this song. You know, there's um you know, you look you look in Oh, well, I had a thought here and I just lost it. Um, oh, you know, like, and the, oh, no, no, and it, no, I got it. I got it. It's back. It's back. It's back. If you listen, you know how they repeat the chorus at the end of the song, but it's in a different key. It's not as positive now. Yes. And I think at this point in, in the story, it's, it's a lot gloomier. It's a lot more drawn out. It sounds like this guy is kind of suffering a little bit. You know, he's still telling himself the same thing, but I don't know if he actually believes it because of what he's going through. Mm-hmm. I, I, and I think that it's that feeling exactly that lets us transition into the third song in the album and feel yes. so good about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Indeed. I have a couple of musical moments I'd like to highlight, though, on Atlas Stone. Oh, yeah, yes, 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 please, yes. Go, please, please, let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. So the first musical breakdown we encounter is at 225, right? And it's where you get the, um, I don't even know what to call it, like electric piano. It's probably what it is. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then I wrote in here because of the longstanding inside joke that we have about jazz <laughs> as a whole. On the whole, vocal and key syncopated. I hope you like Yaz, <laughs> right? Because you're gonna get it when they give you the. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if I can. Don't know if I can do that or not. The the do 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 Yeah, those are so fucking brilliant. Because somehow you mash that into a prog song. Yeah, Mr. Singleton on the vocals laying it down but like that's such a cool little moment and for me that um that's kind of when the album started to wake up yeah um, 
Mm-hmm. Like I just said, I'm more of a musically focused guy and um, bigger concepts through lyrics often just skate right over my head and it's a whatever. But that was the moment I'm like, okay, you have my attention. Yes. Because you somehow made it fit. Um, guitar solo, guitar solo number one, I, this is again from my notes, could easily have been played by JP, which is meant to be taken as a huge compliment as that's no small feat. Yeah. Right. Like that's a very John Petrucci solo. Any way you slice oh. it. But God damn it. He fucking pulled it off, man. Oh, my God. I, yeah. I've got a bunch of guitars and a bunch of years playing and I can't do that. Yeah. Charlie Griffith is Griffith is a fucking monster. Clearly. Well, well and I wanted to I actually meant to make this addendum earlier there. Um, hey, this Haken. I wanted to actually say this before we got into the specifics of this. Uh, Mike Portnoy chose Haken as his backing band for the Shattered Fortress Fortress tour that he the Shattered Fortress yacht right. thing that he did when he would play it entirely with Neil Morris and all his friends. Portnoy's yeah. backing band is Haken. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. All right, you're on to something then. You're that's doing who he, something. That's, that's right. who he chose. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Question. There's lots of musical motifs in Haken that that draw from Dream Theater. Oh, I mean, yeah. the, the influence is obvious. Yeah. 100%. Oh, yeah. Even that musical breakdown you just, you just mentioned, Jake, at, at 2:25. I mean that that you know synthetic you know, that synth piano sound, you know, isn't one I've heard from Rudis specifically, but the I mean just the motif of transitioning from that to that kind of style or that vertical or that I'd say more of an abrupt style shift yeah. but still keeping you know rhythmically and and, and tempo you know, very much the same it's that's very mm-hmm. dream theater-esque right and well, that's it's it, it, probably exactly why Portnoy went after him yeah well and then also just going from that part into the 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 massiveness of the chorus in atlas tone carry the way and it just like it gets big and opens up so wide and they're it, I mean, it really does feel like this is just this monumental part, right? He he is yelling out, "I'm carrying mm-hmm. the weight of the world on my shoulders." Yeah, yeah. I've got one more little note here. Uh, I guess I two more little do. notes. At, at four fifty three, at four minutes fifty three seconds, I wrote, "This guitar solo is pure sex, magic in a bottle, short, sweet, and to the point." And if that doesn't describe it accurately, I don't know what will. Probably nothing. I'm going to listen to it again right now. (laughs) Mm. Mm. It is just beautiful. And then you get this little, the last note that I have is like the, I I call it the slap bass at 512. Yes. Oh, oh, dude. He's going to give you a little bit of that flea moment on the way out. Mm -hmm. Man, that, that is tasty. Well done, boys. Oh, yeah. That, uh, that um bass player thomas mclean he was there he was um the original in, in the band from yeah the original bass player from 2007 this was his last album yes and hmm. look i don't want to say anything bad about connor green their bass player now because that dude is i mean a monster in his own right and he can he has just a technical machine he's like but there's something that was lost when thomas mclean left i agreed he, yeah. he Thomas give you another great example of that. Uh, And it's Incubus. Incubus had exactly that go on in their early career 
with their mm-hmm. first base player, second base player. And it's the difference of using your hand versus a pick. Yep. It's not, he's not any worse by any means. It's just a difference in style that made such a huge difference in the influence in their music. Mm-hmm. So it stands to reason that you would find something else like that with this band. Yeah. You by know, one Tom guy would... playing four strings or five strings. Right. Or I think six. he played six. Yeah. Five or six. Five he he went, was all of it. Yeah. Six. He was, he had such a unique voice. Yeah. on yeah. the bass on you know and to what he contributed to their to their music it kind of almost reminds me of some less claypool at times where how he he just he's just a little dissonant and plays out a yeah. lot not necessarily in like that he's slap heavy although he does like we said on this song but yes he definitely had his own compositional voice and approach on the bass that i feel and that is something that has been lost on the last three albums of theirs but yeah. uh but yes, good note on, on, on that moment, Jake. That's it's definitely tasty. It's worth the five oh, yeah. minutes of the song before to get to. Oh. <laughs> it was welcome after the five minutes prior. That's what I mean. Oh yeah. yeah. Beautiful. All moment. right. Now let's let's transition to the cockroach king. Boy, th- this song room. just like you said, Jake, that this song wastes no time. You hear that that creaking crescendo in the, for the very first thing you hear to those heavy power chords. You know, it's this song is a punch in the face, right? It kicks the door down, it just brr. But then, right when you think it's about to beat you into submission, tantalized. That is that acapella beginning is. I can't say anything else except for genius. It's genius. Yes, it the really way, is. You know how you have same thing. You have three. Well, you have at, at first you have two two counterpointal vocal parts that you know one is singing the main words and the other one, is, the other voice is singing his own set of lyrics, but at a much slower pace. And he breaks syllables up. In the background, I honestly had no idea what the other guy was saying until I sat and read the lyrics. But it's but like my brain knew what he was saying, but I didn't know what he was saying. Yeah. If that makes sense, it you know, it's like a subconscious. Mm-hmm. And it's I just I just can't even I I don't have words. Unfortunately, it's it's just pure. It's it's brilliance. Yeah, yeah. The 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 cool thing for me on on just the intro lyrics to each other is the main vo- the main words you hear Ross singing are the storyline going on mm-hmm. the background pa- paraphrased like the, like the background staccato words are the mm. thoughts yes. or, or is the experience of our character happening during the story being told to you and they're they're telling you kind of like it's almost like he's you're seeing the first and third person both at the same time right Mm. that's a great description i was thinking it was like uh you know his subconscious thoughts versus his actions no because it's it's he because ross is saying tantalized by the cockroach and its promise i fantasized Mm. about soaring with golden wings that's that's me. I I I was tantalized, but 
Blinded by a fickle fortune, diamond in my eyes, blinded by the grand illusion, golden wings to fly. So that's like what is happening and what I'm experiencing at the same time. It's brilliantly arranged and written. Yes. Again, how the hell do you sit down in a room and just come out with that? It's damned impressive. Out of thin air. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and it's... So it's so it's, musically diverse. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, yeah, we're uh, three songs, and you're gifted with three completely different approaches to music. Yes. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, and that that's one thing that's great about this album, as opposed to the first two albums, where the music was all pretty much written by the guitar player, I believe. Yep. And then this one, this was a pure collaborative effort. Every every member wrote music. Every member wrote lyrics. They all worked together. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I you, you, you get given this gift of, of the, the vocals happening and you're giving a, tr- a true gentle giant moment where multiple things are happening. Your brain is being distracted by two conversations at once. It is musically dynamic rhythmically dynamic and then they give you the beat and the groove you were hoping for that it it comes in vacantly i was gazing at like it comes in and his his voice is like he he's like leading you into a tent he you mm-hmm. know he's he's pulling on this thing that's tantalizing saying come here my pretty totally. and totally and, and this this song is i mean it's called cockroach king but it is specifically a song about capitalism and mm-hmm. the and corporate greed and the cockroach king i believe is actually a physical character in this song in this storyline yeah telling mm-hmm. our protagonist oh you want to be famous do you son oh just sell everything you got give it yep. all up and I will have you at the peak of this mountain faster than you can see. You want golden it, wings to fly? Yep. Let's fly. But give it to me. Yes. Give me yes. your everything you own. Yeah, I think you know the hunter draws closer story, to its prey. Yeah. You know, we're talking about the story. You know, at the end of Atlas Stone, he started feeling doubt. He wasn't right. feeling secure in his journey. In comes the snake oil salesman. Yes. You know, showing everything that he aspires to and gold, golden wings. You know, he's a key. He's looked upon as a king. He's just this titan. And he's, yeah, he's promising our protagonist the world. Yes. Well, for the world. Our, our character says right before the first time we actually hear the, the chorus of this song, which which just I mean, it really is you get you get basically three verses before the first chorus of this song. They really I mean, it is like a guy teasing you from outside of a thing to get into the under the big top and and see the lights for the first time. And the the final the final words I blindly wandered down the golden path. And he's like singing this thing. And it, it is happy at this point in pursuit of a misbegotten dream. That mm-hmm. lyric always, always stuck a thing in my ear. Like, oh, you're suddenly handed this dream that you didn't know you had, but but you're told that you this is your dream. Like, you know, and the next line, 
the great gasp, the great Gatsby, Gatsby whispered in my ear. Like that's a word in the song. He is describing this person as the great Gatsby, a, a shuckster, a, you know, someone portraying a life bigger than he actually has. Uh, mm-hmm. The grand illusion beckoned with promises of deceit. He, you're, yep. you're told you're going to have to lie to get here. Yep. You have to sell your soul, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, if you really want to achieve your dreams, don't be afraid to, you know, to step on people, to to rip them off. Don't be afraid to do any of that stuff because that's what is necessary. Right. If you want to be like me. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a ton of good symbolism in this writing. The, I like the road to the road from rags to riches leads nowhere. Yeah. You know? If, if you're viewing this from a capitalism point of view, from the outside looking in, like this is all very telling. And I can totally see this playing out in it and almost like an overdone, you know, like an oversaturated music video with over overly saturated with color. Did you watch you the have, music like, video to this the, song? Did I any haven't. of you watch it? No, I guess I fucked up, huh? None of you watched. <laughs> oh, Jake, you fucked up. Rusty, have you watched? Oh. You okay? You guys right. watched it. Okay, all right. I've watched I, it. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll see you guys next month. I'll see myself out. Click click click. What's your What are your thoughts there, Britt? What do you uh yeah. What 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 are your uh, opinions on this on this song, or at least you know from a musical or a lyrical perspective? Yeah, I, so I see this somewhat as um the protagonist setting into depression somewhat where everything around them is not going the way that they intended. Uh, and I'm going to challenge Aaron a little bit on the, which just as he steps away, um, you know, the, the, the lyric specifically in pursuit of, of a misbegotten dream was not one that he didn't know that he had, but I'd say starting to question his own ideals of what his dream actually is or should be, or, questioning his pursuit of that dream you know whether whether that's you know fame and fortune whatever but the and the concept of the mountain right you know the path that they have chosen to go up and everything that that's that's challenged them on the way there becomes too much to just continue and keep on too much is weighing him down too much is there and that's where he's questioning whether or not that he can continue at all and opening up you know, the thoughts and the devils and the demons in his, in, in the mind, which also opens up, you know, the potential, the snake oil salesman comment that you made rusty. I, mm-hmm. I, I like that vernacular, but um, I would honestly say like to consider it more of a crutch, more or less like the protagonist is looking for something that to, to help him stay afloat right now and is looking for any and all options to get there. And maybe even if it means stepping on a cockroach in the meantime, right? Which is what I kind of see as this is, um, you know, they're looking for something that to to help them get a leg up on the next on on the next rung here. That's what I see, you know, as this song. And I, I'm I will I will say from a challenging like just to challenge the concept of of the song is the most different song musically from the rest of the album, and I think. I mean that's intentional, solely based on the mindset of our of our of our 
of our character. If it's, if it really is. And like I was telling the, the guys here, Aaron, I think it's a dive deep into depression. It's a dive oh, yeah. deep into, you know, the, uh, you know, a, a mental struggle that opens, uh, opens him up to changing a mindset to just, to potentially just say, I'm going to, you know, step on or, or do whatever it takes to succeed. Even if that means, you know, stepping on a cockroach in the meanwhile to get there. Right. Where I view everybody else as smaller, more insignificant, you know, and then the bringing all these illusions and the concept of what that dream was. Cause I think the the misbegotten dream really wasn't a, a dream. He didn't think that he had, but more or less questioning the, the, the vision of that dream. And if it was actually the, the right path for them to take up the mountain, more or less in the grand scheme of things. Well, we, yes, I agree. I, th- I think we hit this with this point when they changed the chorus of the song. They changed the words to the chorus. Mm-hmm. It's sung. It's it's the exact same way, but instead of saying the cockroach king sits on his throne, it's the cockroach king of guile and greed. With a broken crown, he's left to bleed. An empire falling to its knees, a bleeding ground for those who heed. And so it 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 actually sh- lets us know that their character now sees the cockroach king for who he is. He's no longer with golden wings. He everything is falling down around him and he can see it you know he the words next after that i long to be a disciple of the cockroach i was hopelessly choking on the roach fallacy the roach of irony like mm-hmm. it, it it's the guy who didn't have anything but yeah. told he did you know I, cho- I was hopelessly choking on the roach of fallacy like that lets him know now he, he does fully recognize he's in a place he never wanted to be oh yeah and he likes it. That's the yeah, problem the we're at right now is he likes it feeling mm-hmm. he sees exactly what's going on. Um, the very last words, uh, um, blinded by the grand illusion, blackened wings to fly. He wanted gold wings in the beginning of this song. Now he's telling you, I have blackened wings. Which is also some nice foreshadowing. For later in the album. Yes, it is. Ooh. Yes, Sauce. it is. But I, I would like to note, make a couple of musical yes, let's, notes let's, myself. Let's, let's talk about the musical yeah. aspect oh, of this song. By all means, yes. Sir. This is a masterclass yeah. of not repeating the same thing over and over again. Every time you hear a riff or a melody or a motif in this song, the each succeeding time it's altered in some way maybe they just added mm-hmm. a 16th note maybe they took a note you know away maybe they made it you know the the rhythm has changed slightly every single time you hear it mm-hmm. and it keeps you so engaged cuz you truly don't know what's going to happen next yeah well it, it, it takes 10 listens of the song before you start understanding and and like pre like knowing what's coming um, yeah. And it's kind of illusory to the idea of the cockroach king that you experience him all the time and you still are never quite sure what's coming. You're trying to count them, but the next time you hear the same thing, it's a little different. And oh yeah, it's I, I, I just love the fact that like the melody pat like to that to that point right the melody will pass 
in a given motif from the keyboard to the guitar player, back to the keyboard, back to the guitar. And it, and it is different every time. There's usually some sort of, you know, I'd say stylistic choice or some sort of just you know, tonal change or rhythmic change um, that does make it super interesting, especially as it gets to kind of the bridge of the song. Yeah. You know, where they continue to bring back the da dun dun and and just carry it all the way through. Well, I was gonna say the earworminess of this song is the like that's so good that is just that tumbling circusry it's just in my head all day but when 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 the song breaks and it changes and you do get the the other bass part jazz part in the middle Mm -hmm. of this song too like like oh you want to talk about expression you want to talk about putting your voice out through an instrument that mm-hmm. that part right there is so beautifully written and orchestrated it 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 leaves me breathless every single time it comes on you would not expect a bass player on a song like this to be playing a fretless bass no you wouldn't expect it but he is yes at least as far as i can tell this is, a, you know, it's, and that kind of goes back to the whole Les Claypool thing again, you know, because Les played fretless on a lot of things. And uh, this guy is no exception. And it's that uniqueness. And it, it's just off sounding enough to fit in perfectly with the overall theme of this, of this song. He's almost doing a John Mayer thing where he will be playing in key and then microtone bend a note, or in his case, being fretless, just be five cents off but then the next Mm -hmm. time he comes around through the same note he gives you a true tone just to Mm -hmm. just to make that tone kind of play with you a little bit like it it, it Mm -hmm. is it is talk about moving yeah (laughs) i love it yeah there's a one other part musically of this song that it it almost catches me off guard every time because the first through the first um i want to say you know half of the song it sounds like he's just playing on a seven string guitar down to a low b the b is the tonal center yeah but then you get into the bridge and the more extreme sections and all of a sudden the guitar player starts playing like oh wait no he's playing at least an eight string on this and that spoke to something that you know jake mentioned in our last discussion which is something that jake and i have talked about is when even if you have like an extended range instrument Um, don't not basing the entire song on the lowest string of your instrument you know use the full range you know and some of the crushing you know it's so down tune and it's so heavy and it's it, it, it catches me off guard every time yeah, I never, you know, it's it's one of those things that I still don't expect it to happen, and then it does, and it's yeah, because yeah, they're giving I, you they're giving you the rest of the music literally three octaves above that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. This is, uh, and the yeah, going to the uh, going to the outro, which is kind of a at least m- melodically a reprise of the of the acapella intro. Yes. But now mm. we have three separate vocal lines going on at the same time, mm. centered, 
left what's and one right? more right you know what's yeah. what's one more vocal line amongst friends <laughs> and it's you know you have one like i'm still not at the point where i can pick apart who they who the singers are by their voices right i'm not i'm not there yet but you know you have one guy singing the main the main words of the song i long to be a disciple of the cockroach i was hopelessly choking on the roach of fallacy yeah that's then on one side you have the roach of irony but he's of course stretching that out over the entire that that stanza that i just read but then on that you have the narrator i guess you know in other words uh, blinded by the grand illusion blackened wings to fly burning ashes of the hunter scattered in the sky stretched over the entire outro yeah it's i yeah it just goes speaks more to the brilliance of of their arrangement their arrangement capabilities it's not matched by few no no well that's that's you know i i'm sure that we're going to cover a lot more prog um but i think you're going to have to kind of go to old you're going to have we're going to have to f- probably only be seeing this in classic prog you know if if we hit gentle giant or like jethro toll or yes or somebody who really played with folk like mm-hmm. we're going to there aren't many prog bands today at all. I mean, as much as I love Dream Theater, they they do not do stuff like this. This is no, but no, that you know, I don't think they have the competence in vocals in their band to do this. They can all sing stuff, but I don't think they are mental. I don't think they're 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 pro. I don't know. I don't say program, no. but no, I know I got you. That's just not part of their wheelhouse. That's just yeah. not part of their makeup, and and that's not a bad thing. You know, no, it's not. It's, it's, it's not. Yeah, it's we're not we're saying facts, not not not. Uh, yeah, judgment, not, not slander. Yeah, um, <laughs> no slander here. I think, um, I think for me on this song, the the what makes it stand out so much to me is that again, being so musically driven, um, I can't but feel happy yeah. when I listen to it. Yeah, like if you ignore, if you disconnected all the vocals and just imagine that they're humming. That's basically what I interpret. And Mm -hmm. there is so much happiness that came from me listening to it and hearing it, especially for the first time, that kind of shit, you know, Rusty, where we used to find really aggressive metal Mm -hmm. and it would just make you unreasonably happy. And you go, I don't know why this works, but it does. And that's kind of how this song was for me because there's so much going on. Um, it's like sitting in front of a full color palette um, of of paint. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you see every color. You don't just have 10 or 20. You have like 300 or 7,000, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. <laughs> There's just so much there. And like it kind of blew my mind quite literally because I got real happy. Mm-hmm. I love getting real happy on musical discoveries. There's, there's few things better. <laughs> and this song did that for me. Do you guys consider this song your favorite on the album? No. Yes. Um, I've got one yes and one no. <laughs> For me, I'm gonna great question. I, I, though I, I hate to uh, be the you know the centrist, but sometimes, depending on my mood, I think there are some days that indeed. some there are some days that another song on this album will reverberate with me more. Most times, I think this is my go-to from the album, but yeah. there are some days that there's at least one other song that does top it, in my opinion. 
Mm-hmm. What about you, Britt? Yeah, it's not my favorite song overall. There are parts of it that I th- that I think are you know my favorite you know my favorite riff I think from the album is is from Cockroach King, no question. But yeah. mm-hmm. it, not my favorite song overall. I I do agree with Jake. It does you know in in general put me in a in in a in a lighter mood mostly because it starts off just so fucking heavy dude every and single i love that right where it just, e- just every, hits you yeah every time he goes uh i was gazing at the mirage of a self-made man <laughs> and i hear him do that line like i instantly just like smile like it just yes. it you hear his voice and he you can hear him smiling when he's singing it like it, it's it, oh, yeah. it does it, it does give you it's the it's the happiest chaotic most chaotic song yeah like none of none of the melodies in this song are like melo- like melodic they're not they're all discordant and they're all and know, they do not resolve no they, they do don't resolve they, it. they do not give you any resolution until the end of the song and it's in a different entire key than when they started the song yeah and it's it's and it's yeah. really abrupt yeah but uh, does lend itself to go right to the next one a short but sweet banger called In Memoriam I love this song I it's it's not it's not my favorite on the album still but it is such a beautiful song it's not long it says what it needs to and it gives you a moment to breathe in the album after Cockroach like like this, this to me is a song of, of reflection of, of, of our character sitting there looking at, mm-hmm. it, it, it is the first time that, that, that the album here, here's what I wrote, uh, in memoriam explores the ideas of mortality with each yes. verse talking about the concept in different ways, but it ultimately leads, mm-hmm. um, that it's Ooh. more it's the only way to cope with death because death is inevitable yeah. in this life mm-hmm. Espe- the one i'm talking the one in, just being laid out in front of us <laughs> so far in this thing uh yeah you know he 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 was just brushed with the 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 trueness of the of our of our antagonist the cockroach king he was he he our character has seen that and I think he's seeing himself in those shoes and uh, dealing with his own mortality. Yeah, this is de- that's what I wrote too. This is a lyrically a good reflection on death is what I wrote down in my notes for this song. Mm. Um, it's a uh, you know you look at it's it's clearly reflected in a lot of the lyrics. Um, you know it's a. Uh, you know, I succumb to universal law. Another system's energy disperses. You know, that's it's a universe. Everything is going to happen. It's I mean, I mean, death is going to happen. You're good. Everyone's going to succumb to it. And uh, you know, it's Mother Nature red in tooth and claw. It's the game that everybody loses. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. they, I think yeah, that's him. You know, that like you said, reflecting upon death and mortality and the inevitability of what's going to happen. Yeah, it seems though that that he talks about it in 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 two different ways. First one is kind of giving up. It take a step, put one foot in the grave, you know, catch a breath, submerge in holy water, 
moving with a scene of former date. Like he's kind of, uh, everything is kind of crumbling around him and, um, he's, it's almost like he, like, like there's just like a, a hopelessness to that. And the second verse, when he comes in, he's, he's almost like fighting for it and succumbing to it, but fighting for it in this, in the second verse, he, he's, he's seeing, he's having a retort back to this, this pressure of mortality, you know, versus just kind of going with the flow of the first verse. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, it's funny, you know, I think the only, like you called this song, a breather. I think the only way this song is a breather is in a narrative sense. Cause we're, okay. he's taking a yeah, step yeah, back yeah, from yeah. his journey musically. No, it's, it's, you don't get to breathe on this song. No. Uh-huh. I never, I, I'm always shocked by the fact that this song is only four minutes long. Yeah. So much happens. It's so dense. And this, I, you know, it's kind of funny when you look at, um, Haken's sound as a whole, as it's evolved, you know, since this album, I feel like that this song is a good foreshadowing of what their sound would become. Mm-hmm. There's a yeah. lot of there's a lot of vector and virus in this song. Yes, I agree. It's a you know just rapidly changing uh, time signatures, syn- heavy syncopated riffs, and just un- you know, it's just brutal. It's just a brutal mm-hmm. song. It is with it. It is it is very brutal, and it's like the the lyrics are sitting there, kind of trying to calm you while this brutal experience is happening. And I think that's why it kind of does feel feel like a breather to me because mm-hmm. it they're not both things aren't confusing you, right? <laughs> you know? And and I, hmm. both thing while both things are not confusing that comment damn near confused me for a second, but I think I'm tracking. <laughs> yeah, that's uh. Yeah, I think, and that's actually a good point. You know, you have the lyric, which are kind of actually really calm and contemplative and reflective, but you have the chaos around them. And that can be kind of like, you know, when you're faced with mortality, you know, it, it's, it can be a whirlwind, it can be scary, it can be dramatic, but then there's still that part that's just like, okay, let, you know, let me approach this as calmly as I can for my own sake so I don't get caught up in it. And that's kind of what I get out of this song. Yeah. That's fair. I love swirling chaos in music. Yeah. And I I feel like there was a lot of that that came from this one. Haken plays this song and, uh, live a lot. They, uh, I bet they do because it's fucking rad. It is. It And uh, the, cor- the chorus, for as short as it is, uh, is the crowd really loves to sing it. Uh, uh, huh. they played it with us and everybody just, I mean, belting out the word, you know, it's kind of big and operatic and, and uh, all in my loving memory, that thing just, that just kind of, those words do just ring out and it, and it is kind yeah. of a cool group moment uh, in concert to, to have that happen. I'll, I'll bet that's really interesting to hear, um, you know, let's say, 2000 or, or uh, a 5,000 or 10,000 person crowd where you have 
because I bet your average person can't hit that note. No, because no. it's up there. Yeah, you're gonna have to push for it. So I'm, I really would be curious to hear uh, it like person by person throughout the crowd to see what each person hits. Imagine, right? imagine I like weird shit. Imagine the sound engineer with every person with their own lapel and having to mix yeah. ten thousand tracks, right? Of of every person's voice. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I love the uh, in this song, and I'm gonna call them, I guess, periphery moments where you mm-hmm. get these small injections of gent, but it's not too much yeah. where you're like, all right, I'm over this. I was over this 10 minutes ago, but those little moments that we do have, man, they're so good. Yeah. They're just peppered in there. Just enough. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like three Oh three in that song where they hit the, the super fast 30 second yeah. notes. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. The reason I asked the question in the last track, if if you guys had viewed Cockroach King as your favorite song, this actually is my favorite song. Mm. It's really good. Um, and that's fair. Mostly because it hits like co- compositionally, mm-hmm. hits the gamut of everything that's encompassed in this album. I mean, you have the 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 choral, you know, highly composed, classically influenced. You know, classical influenced uh, uh, sections early on. Then you have super highly technical, you know, very intriguing, very shifty riffs. A lot of polyrhythms and intermixed in, in, in there too between the guitar, keyboards, and drums. Um, a lot of really intricate detail uh, that they're mixed in this. Mm-hmm. To Rusty's point, you can't rest with this song. Like, it, yes, it it does start very slow, but it also ramps back up in a very short amount of time. And, you know, like I said yeah, earlier, it it's the gamut of everything that's encompassed in this album. Hits everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Goes from zero right. to a hundred real fast. Kind of like me when I heard it for the first time. <laughs> oh yeah. Again, I'll just see myself out. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, now though, I, I want I want to take the transition of this if you don't mind, Rusty, Please. real quick. I yeah. actually view "In Memoriam" and because it's there as one almost song. as one song. I agree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <It is> overjoyed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, I'm not the only one. They are. <laughs> there is a solid, like there is a solid gap, especially in especially in the, the transition between the two. But musically, lyrically, they jive so well together. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, I think Definitely. I would have to say that this song, while it's not, I I do separate because it's there in, in memoriam, but they I can definitely absolutely see why one might join them together, but um. I, I would say that while it's not my favorite song, I think this song this album or this song has my favorite moment of the entire album. Really? And it is yes. And that would be And it's the the intro as you know, we have the different voices singing. The first first voice we hear is just one solo voice. Yeah. And there's it's drenched in reverb. He sounds like he's a hundred yards away. He's far away singing to you. The next stanza, you get a few more voices singing that's a little more present. 
but it's still kind of reverby. They're not quite there. Then you get to the last, uh, the last bit before the instruments come in, adapt to this world, and all the reverb is gone. And they're clear. All and front, right, the clear. They're right in your face. Yeah. And it's like the the people singing are getting closer and closer to us as they're singing this to us. The mm. symbolism of that, I haven't quite really been able to nail down, but just the experience of hearing the voices draw closer until they're right in your grill is it gives me chills every time. And that's my favorite moment of the album. Well, well, so if I may, let me get, try and shed a little insight on, I've been kind of trying to track the storyline I find in this happening through the album. And for me, this song, I've, I've had somebody tell me because it's there and it was, uh, I, the the camera I'm I'm filming right here on and that you guys can see me with I just got mm-hmm. uh, and I was told that I should do actual video content for my multiple channels and things I have mm-hmm. and I said yeah, why and they go because it's there and that is this song this song is saying to the character. You've already started climbing this path. You find yourself in the middle of a path to the top uh, that you may not want to be on anymore. Why should you keep doing it? Because it's there. Uh, the, yep. the, the, it, it, it's the acknowledgement that there is a path to the top. And the only thing to get you past the peak is climbing the rest of the path. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it tells... Uh, to live and to love, we forge the path. Our nightmare in birth, our struggle for worth. I mean, they, they're telling you the, the very mm-hmm. first words of the the whole entire album are being yep. retold in this song again. They're mm-hmm. reprising the the mission statement. They're, right. They're, um, and then the next part: adapt to this world. The chance we must take. We'll sing our song. We'll play our hand. They're they tell like you have to now adapt to the place you're in you have to uh, be you have to accept that this path is coming like mm-hmm. and it's it's in a in a loving way the song is about an embrace the song is comfort the song is 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 wrapping you in a blanket of saying yeah you got to push through you know but you can do it. It's the context. Yeah. It's the context of, of the path as the monologue, right? The, the foreshadowing of where those components are going to fit into the story regurgitated basically as this point as motivation, as, as inspiration, as that next, you know, forge going forward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My, my favorite part in this song is actually, again, the Haken does this a lot with this, with this album in particular is they write these wonderful chorus hooks and then they wait for a third to a half of the song before they give it to you for the first time. Like mm-hmm. they're, they're really setting the precedence of every scene. And this one is, is huge because the song builds up and then all of a sudden climb, find your way. And it, it just, it opens up into this big thing, scale high, don't look back. With hope, you will find 
the life you seek. Like mm-hmm. this, it, it, it becomes this just like kind of moment of, you know, of if, clarity. Yeah. Of clear. Exactly. A moment yeah. of clarity. You know, and that's the warm blanket, like you were talking about. You know, this guy just went through, you know, being deceived by the cockroach king. And he, you know, and he found out that, you know, what he would have to do to become like him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then, you know, faced with his own mortality. But then, yeah, this is, I don't know, you know, if it's an external or internal voice within him, the angel on the shoulder, like Britain said. Or if it's like an external voice kind of guiding him, but it's like, no, yeah, persevere. This is all part of it, but it's worth it if you keep going. Yeah. You know, they have, they have the moment where there's, they do yet another kind of two stories happening at the same time. Answer callback vocal cacophony where the guy is saying to you, climb, find my way. I wish I could be someone. Be the mm-hmm. moon and the sun, ambition burn my wings ablaze. That is te- like you're seeing when he was talking about the doubt creeping in an atlas stone. This mm-hmm. is his recognition of the doubt, and he wishes he could be someone. Like he he sat there now, supposedly climbing this mountain, being faced with the proposition from the cockroach king. Still, still wishing he could be someone Mm -hmm. yeah the uh the final chorus of this song is really interesting too you get a lot of summation of what has come so far yeah um but there's also references to what's going to come yes you know there's a the the lyrics you know ambition burned my wings ablaze that's a reference to the next song which we're going to get to shortly um but then there's also, you know, carry the weight of the world. The summit says I'll prove my worth. So, you know, that that's a reference back to Atlas Stone, like you were saying, Aaron. And it's, I think it's, you know, a really cool narrative choice to, you know, to show where he's been so far, like as kind of, but the also ominous notes of where's, of what's about to happen to him. Yeah. Well, well, they, they've built up the idea of the peak the entire time. Mm-hmm. Right. Any other thoughts on this song, gents? I'm just, uh, I'm almost blown away by how well that recording trick worked, you know, where, where it's like you're saying, where you hear all the cathedral reverb, which is very different sounding from, you know, your normal spring reverb, Mm -hmm. but it works where like, if you closed your eyes and listened to this song, which as Matt Hafey from Trivium once said, is the truest form of listening to music. Just close your eyes in a quiet room and listen to it. Yeah. With the lights mm-hmm. off. If you do that with this song. What's that, Aaron? With the lights off. That way, if you do open your oh, eyes, yeah. there's with nothing lights to look off at. Is always preferred. Yeah. yeah. But you can almost just envision yourself being like not walking, but being guided forward on a path through a cathedral while this choir sings to you. Mm-hmm. And that, the, that trick worked and it's amazing. Well done. And then like you were saying, Rusty, where it cuts out and you, you hear the lack of reverb and you hear the clarity suddenly overtake you is brilliant. 
just a brilliant move. And then when we get into the musicality side of it, you know, you start hearing the static that they put into these parts and these, these, um, like a single frame of a movie that's blurred. Yeah. <laughs> Almost mm-hmm. kind of how it sounds. Another just brilliant trick. Well, I love it's how piece and mastered incredibly well on the static they they put this kind of electronic feel into the middle of this song and 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 give you kind of a everything has been so musical and so organic the whole time and they do they they give you this this pullback like almost like you're on the other side of a screen watching this for a second you know what i mean um they they give you this cool electronic thing before really kind of coming right back into a musical ending. They're giving you a, another big vocal performance. Um, yes. It, and it, I have written here in my notes like in a breakdown and sub bass at 315. You put sub bass in a song like this? Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, why not? There are no rules. Where do you see this this, this song taking us, Britain? as as kind of i mean it it almost is the halfway journey of the album yeah i mean again going back to i think the you know because it's there and in memoriam kind of setting the stage of of getting back on the path and going forward and 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 all of that i see this really as the getting to the pinnacle getting to the top setting the stage for conclusion and you know a wholesome resolution more or less uh, but you know as we're going to get to uh, in a second too where that where that eventually leads but I, you know that the, there's two distinct parts uh, in here too the the rise and fall right um just oh man i'm just trying to think of like there's so much involved. There's so much musically here that I think the the guitar part. There's the hang on, there's a couple of time signatures uh, marked in here too. I was trying to go back and listen to this because this is such a long song. On because it's there or fall, no, we're not we're not on falling back to earth yet. Yeah, I was. I guess I was reading reading ahead, but um, yeah. Be, I see this really as like like I said earlier, the motivation of of going forward to yeah. getting to the top, right? Of yeah. it, and that's what I was saying to the point where we get to the point of where we're marching on. That's where it's leading into falling back to earth. Well well, you know, the the final words of of this uh mm-hmm. the of 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 this song are are really telling um, I was just saying the, the final words of this song are really telling because it goes, uh, stars begin to swarm and the, or around the path of fate, this tired ground challenge met, but all the while a mountain built on greed and guile. So he's gone through in memoriam. He's checked his own mortality. He's now been told, well, there's still this path to climb. Uh, with even the self-check, the end of this song is the acknowledgement that the mountain he's climbing is built on greed and guile. It is the still, at this point, the cockroach king's proposition mm-hmm. that is pushing him up the mountain still on this path. You know, it it, it is... Wh- 
Uh, let me claim what's rightfully yours to take and mine to keep the life you seek. Like that, that is still driving this. The, the, the guy in the big hat from three songs back, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. If I had to put a cap on a, a cap on this particular song though, um, of interest, the actual words, because it's there does not appear in the lyrics right so the yeah. the title of the song is exactly i think the component of that you hit on here when you for when we first started talking about it it's because it's there why would you not continue why would you change course why would you consider abandoning this this dream or vision that you had when it's there yeah go get it and at the very end you're questioning why you're still going i mean as the last two you know two songs and this one as well has kind of framed and but at this point you're close it's there go get it mm-hmm. yeah slight addendum the 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 phrase because it's there is actually in this song but it's just one little time one time quick before the first chorus it's but it's it's just a fleeting moment you know it's a. Uh, it's not part of like yeah the the main hook of the song. It's not part of the repeated oh, yeah, message. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, the, the the phrase is there. But it's it's very it's like blink and you'll miss it. Yeah, it it burns. I scrolled through, through this probably three adapt. or four times, and then I yeah, adapt. I missed it. Yep. But that's all right. It's yes. okay. yeah, like I said, it's 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 quick when you listen to it. You almost don't even hear it. Yep. But okay, well let's move on to falling back to earth my favorite song of the album this is the song for me that competes with cockroach king it's this one yeah sometimes this is the one i come to other times it's cockroach king this is the midpoint of the album yep everything the first hat the first handful of songs have been building to this yes and the first half of the song is um from what from what I you know reading the lyrics and reading about the composition of this song, it does kind of it keeps with the theme of what's been happening, but it this song doesn't exactly partake. This half of the song doesn't particularly you know to it doesn't relate to the protagonist, but it's really more actually you know the story of Icarus. Well, it, it, our protagonist is Icarus. It he's built himself to this rise. He is the one attempting through everything he's done to fly closer to the sun. He, yeah. he, he wants himself. He's already told you, uh, our character two songs ago told you, mm-hmm. I now have black, black wings, black and, wi- black to and f- wings to fly. Yeah. That's a good point. He, he is okay. telling you, he has done this preparation through everything to get mm-hmm. himself able to fly close to the sun. Right. And Tempting. in the first half of this, um, in the first half of this song, he find he gets there. Oh yes, he does. You know, he has his wings. You know, um, you know this is you know talking to all the line here. He, you know, talking to all the people that he felt were holding him back, whether or not they were or not. You know, you've been standing in my way. You won't believe when I'm in. Like you'll yeah. see, you'll see when I make it. You're all gonna regret this. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love get- that. I love that the beginning of this song is the rise. Uh, they 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 actually label this song, and Britain had said it earlier. 
mm-hmm. into two distinct parts. It's the rise and the fall. And and they do cate- like they 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 this is a two-part song technically, you know. Um mm-hmm. the beginning of the rise, the the first words he's he's telling you to save him. Yeah. Save me now, set me free. Show me how to live my now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, like he's going, Hey, I'm on this ride. Would someone save me from it? You know, the second verse starts, someone rescue me. Yeah. Will no one listen to my plea? He he is pleading for somebody to rescue him from this ride. He's on to the top, but he, but he wants to be there. Right. You know, yeah, maybe it's, yeah, it's the better nature of his, uh, of his self than uh, still saying, hey, you know, you still have a chance to turn back. But yeah, that's why he's asking for help. Yeah. And uh, yeah, this, this is um, aside, the first half of this song, aside from In Memoriam, is probably, it's the most intense part of the album. It's just immediately punch, like, to say it like Jake, punching you right in the face. And, uh, love it. Oh, yeah. Don't kink shame me. (laughs) Hey, we don't judge here. No, there's no kink shaming (laughs) on the Metal Fellows podcast. Oh, thank God. But, uh, yeah, this is, uh, and, but I love, but there's still that positivity in the chorus, you know, um, soaring through the sky, free from your burden, say your last goodbyes, I won't be back again. Yeah, it's so, it's momentous. Yep. Soaring through the, it it gets so big. It is it is the first time this chorus hits is my favorite actual instantiation on the album. It is the it is it is the thing that lets our I imagine him in that moment like the distinction between him getting too close to the sun and his wings getting burned and him just jumping off the top. Yeah. are the same when he's falling. Like that mm-hmm. feeling for him are the same feeling, you know? Right. It's, um, yeah, this is, uh, and I have another note here, the guitar solo before the f- verse four, when, when my name becomes tomorrow's news. Good God, that guitar solo. I mean that if the phrase face melter yeah. If it's ever been applied to anything, it's this guitar solo. Like it's it well, makes it I mean it, it it ramps up the feeling we get in the chorus and then the that guitar mm-hmm. solo is there and all of a sudden when my name becomes tomorrow's nose and he's like he is he is throwing that fucking temper tantrum like mm-hmm. none of you saw me look where the fuck I am now like <laughs> Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. On top of the mountain, I cannot be moved. Yeah. You know, he, he truly feels that, you know, everything, the, the ends just justify the means. <laughs> Can I tell you guys a funny story about this part of the song? Yes. Yeah. So before Please I, do. I, I, I never sat down and actually read these lyrics for years of listening to this song. Um, mm-hmm. And when he goes, I scale the summit like an unstoppable force. Mm-hmm. My brain for years told me I scale the summit like a nonstop purple force. <laughs> All right. 
All right. Like a nonstop, non-stop purple force. And I was like, I love a nonstop purple force, man. Like, <laughs> you, you just purple, you keep fucking going, man, because you're nonstop, nonstop purple. Nonstop purple force. What is this? Is this a Prince <laughs> song? <laughs> Prince wishes. I mean, Fuck yeah. Honestly, though, if you, oh, yeah. if you look at some of the lyrics to some of their older stuff, Mm-hmm. Some of it is very outlandish like that and out there. Like yeah. that wouldn't be out of place if this were Aquarius, that's, right? That's so, why I right. never judged I, I, it. I, I don't blame you. Mm-hmm. And I was that wasn't to, unreasonable, Aaron. I was trying to think like, all. like what is a purple force? What are they trying to imply by the color purple here? Like, are they, yeah. you know, what, what, mm-hmm. what references are they telling? And I just never checked on it. I just let that be. Yeah. It reminded me of um, Dirty Deeds. You know, and all of the thunder different chief. dirty deeds in the Thunder <laughs> Chief. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. It doesn't matter. I really like one of the next. Oh, sorry. No, actually, you go ahead, Jake. Go for it. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say one of my favorite moments is at 355, I think. Um, <laughs> where, yeah, yeah. Where you have that, that syncopated walk down where it's like, wop, 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 wop. Wop 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 wop. What is that, <laughs> Dude, I... <laughs> What is that? It's... But underneath it, you have a, a synthesizer going. Yep. Um, almost like a Mario Brothers. Oh yeah. yeah it's, dude, it's so cool. It's such a clever little bit. There's um. um there's what a... did I call it? Oh yeah, the squishwa. I called it the squishwa sound. That's that's so, a good that's take that a, for what it is. <laughs> take that for data. But no, that's a yeah, yeah. That's a a good way to describe <laughs> it. There's one vocal part in this song that is just spellbinding, and I'm trying to find the exact time of it here. I, just I was uh, actually um, going to bring up a vocal part. The the part that in the verse three before the first chorus actually happens, everything is building up to this first chorus, and when Ross mm-hmm. is going mm-hmm. intervention now. And, you know, I'll defeat – and these are these big parts and he's singing this really high thing. But behind it's going, save me now, set me free, show me how to live a dream. And then <laughs> there, there's there's this kind of like dual, duality conversation back. But but the what always stuck out to me wasn't the background vocals here. It's actually the forward vocals. He goes, intervention now, I'll defeat all the people who stepped on me. And – the the main vocals Sick. that are that are coming out is like like this is retribution at this point in the song it is mm-hmm. you know it it is almost like like positive attack and then to come into the part of the soaring through the sky free from your burden it's like he did he he got there he he proved right his ego mm-hmm. from the beginning that was scared mm-hmm. is now fulfilled in this moment yeah, I uh, I found that vocal moment. Um, it's in the pre-chorus. I guess the first pre-chorus. When the one listened to my plea, the sky is falling in on me, and he gets that high note. Yeah. Oh my! I mean, that is powerful stuff. You it's know, I mean, very um, very Muse, very Queen of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yes. You know, and th- I'm I'm always blown away by it because 
his vocal style for the most part he likes to hang on kind of like static notes like there's not a lot of movement to most of his melodies which is fine it fits the music but for him to really belt it like that you know that again it's spellbinding i just that might be my favorite part of the song well yeah well that but i love how that part the first pre-chorus is is mirror like paired with the second pre-chorus because they both say you've been standing in my way and Mm -hmm. instead of him sitting there going the sky is falling in on me now Mm -hmm. the second time he goes you won't believe it when i'm soaring through the sky and it comes in with that thing so now he's turning it out and i love how instead of holding this big word me before the Mm -hmm. that happens he goes he he lets the words happen and and butt up all the way into the chorus. You won't believe it when I'm falling through the and the tempo changes, the feeling changes, and it's just like this attack back to freedom again, right? It's like he takes another breath of freedom, and mm-hmm. it, uh, uh, so good. And that is right when the solo happens, when your face gets melted. Like they just they the first half of the song is. It is a punch in the dick, man. It rivals in memoriam. Like, yes. yeah, the um, and I like this this lyric here. It's at the end of the the fourth verse. With iron wings, I will prove my worth to you all. Now, it's you know that speaks to his. I that, will prove my worth to you all. Yeah, that, you know that speaks to his hubris. Yeah, you know he thinks that you know iron isn't you know. He thinks that his wings are made out of iron, that they're indestructible, that they're going to carry him forever. Feathers will burn when you're close to the sun. Iron will yep. burn. Yeah. Iron will melt. Right. And it's so, yeah, I, I, that's a really subtle lyrical touch that just gets, that just gets me. What um, about you, Britton? What, if you had to pick one in part one, at least, is your favorite part of the song? My Absolute favorite part of the song is coming out and the timestamp is at two thirty-two. It's the awesome. I think it's the third verse that finishes up mm. and then rolls into this absolutely killer heavy unison. Then it gets into this this off time, odd time guitar tapping odd chord you know, mixed rhythm with the keyboard player for a solid, I don't know, 30, 40 seconds. That yeah. section of that first part is musically the most interesting to me because the, 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 the chorus is great and it's pretty grand. And all of a sudden it just like, just hit, hits you in the face. And all of a sudden, boom, we're going to turn 180 degrees again and then roll in this, this next musical motif to get into the next section. And that, that whole section right there, that, that does it for me right there. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah, the 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 parts of this song that you do get to breathe never last long. It's just the train keeps rolling. Until, At least in the first half. Yeah, I was gonna say. Then we get to the fall. Yeah. And this is the other reason this song is my favorite song because you get this emotive, guttural. Not, not guttural in the way he sings it, guttural in the emotion he's expressing. Like, the way that he comes in and, and begins, now that my feathers are broken, crestfallen, my head is bowed. Though That beginning is, it is just 
dissonant. It's drawn back. He is laying in a clump on the ground. He's fallen the entire distance from the mountain down. You know, the mm-hmm. words, the, uh, it builds up. He's singing. He's singing. Uh, I love when he says the beasts have become the new masters. Is reality compromised? Those words grip you here. And mm-hmm. then he says, uh, f- he starts screaming. For countless years, I have been longing to apologize, apologize. When he says those words, it is this, it really moves the song. I mean, it shifts there. Uh, And to apologize, apologize. Like, he really is just like calling out to someone to pay attention to him at this point. And it, it does, man. It grabs me. It moves me. It makes me. It, for the first time in the song, I feel bad for the protagonist. For the f- actually, for real, for the first time in the whole album, I feel mm-hmm. bad for for our protagonist here. Yeah, I, I get that. Um, you know that, that line that you mentioned: "The beasts have become the new masters." What do you think that means in the context of this story? Because I was actually that was one of the things I wrote down about this song. Is that line the way I look at it? Is like you know, as he's rising, he's full of arrogance. He's full, he's greedy. He's driven. All these people that were holding him back, he looks upon them as lesser. He they're the yeah. lesser. They're you know the toadstools that he steps on to get to where he needs to go. But then he falls, like you said, all the way down the mountain, and now all these people that he looked down on are now towering over him. Yes. In yeah. his depths, yeah. The 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 peons are the giants here. Mm-hmm. It's it's yeah. it's completely internally reflected. Yeah, and that's a it's a really great narrative choice, I think. Um, the the other line that I wrote down from this from part two is the last line of the bridge: "A world without end is upon us, but time is in short supply." And I never picked up on that line until I actually just recently went through and read the lyrics, like did a, a lyric read along with it. That's the first time I, and that just, it's so profound to me. Um, you know, it's like the, the situation that we built for ourselves is going to last forever, but my life, to see my life. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't have much. We won't. Right. It's, you know, this, the, the uh, the feeling of we have to hurry because to change it, but we can't. Yeah, just it, it's futile, you know. Well, and then you get the last chorus, which the other choruses before you know the only time we've heard the chorus like this in the full essence was right before the fall happened. Soaring through mm-hmm. the skies, free from your burden. Say your last goodbyes. I won't be back again. Too close to the flame with ambition at, or ambition burns me. You know, with my wings ablaze. Uh, he, it almost seems like giving us that chorus again and keeping the words the same from before he fell almost lets him still kind of feel a little bit on fire, right? Like, like he is an active. Even maybe if he's hit the ground and he's laying there and realizing he's still in fall. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Yeah. His, his, his misery is not over. No. He's going to be, yeah. That's kind of, that's what I get out of it. 
boys. Yeah, at the, at that moment, it would be it would be tough to imagine any other circumstance where where your misery isn't over because now you're broken and you're back at the bottom, right? And you know that you're going to have to dig yourself out of the hole that you've fallen into one way or another, and it's going to suck. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What I loved um, is that I wrote it down at 1040, 10 minutes, 40 seconds is where you get that big, like symphony X odyssey moment where you have the triumphant return of the music. Mm -hmm. Yes, dude. It's so good. Yeah, dude. you get the whole arrangement coming in, man. And it's huge and it's lofty, beautifully done. Yeah, it it is a, an interesting triumphant note in such Weird, an otherwise huh? bleak and depressing song. You know, the section of the song. Um so yeah, it's uh it is it, it is kind of out of nowhere, but it works so well, like you said. It is a very great compositional moment. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, and the thing I wanted to point to is is you had, you know, uh, Atlas and Cockroach King were 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 good lengths, you know, about seven eight minutes a piece. Um, mm-hmm. But you get the last three songs are eleven minutes long, nine minutes long, and eight minutes long. I think, and like you get this mm-hmm. just the wonder the three la- or I think eleven, ten, and nine. Is that how long they are? Uh, that's it with, yeah. with one you've got, death, in the you've got death embraces in there just oh yeah a death embrace yeah. three minutes yeah, right, yeah right, 11 right. 10 11 11 and nine yeah yeah so you yeah. you get with the three you, minute reprise you get in these, there. right mm-hmm. right you get these three big songs at the end which are all like they did not i i love that they didn't give us five songs here or six songs here you know what i mean and break this up into a couple mo- they just said you know with falling mm-hmm. back to earth, Paradolia, and somebody, they went. Here is here is this movement with again a little reprise, yeah, um, a death embrace, just kissed right in the middle of it. Well, yep. that comes next, so let's dive right into it. Let's dive right into as death embraces. Yes, this is the one that I said that was not from the point of view of the protagonist Ooh. earlier. Because you just look at the lyrics, forgive my daily sins, seal them under my skin. For once I watched you fly, leaving your wings behind. The path of fate has gone astray. The brightest skies have turned to gray. Yeah. This to me is a point of view of someone who loves our protagonist, a loved one. And so it's like, you know, I watched you do this, but now I, I see what's happened to you and the brightest skies have turned gray. I, that's, oh, all right. I, you know, that, that's, that's what I get out of this. This is, it's a quick break from the, from an outside perspective. And it's someone who loves the protagonist that has just seen what's become of him. That's, that's how I see it. So what do you think, Britton? I see this more, isn't it? I want to, yeah, I want to, I want to jump in here. I, I see this again, going back to my view of the path of being, a monologue, right? Of being separated a bit from the story, a direct appeal to the audience from the main character. I see this is exactly that at the conclusion of the fall, right? Our protagonist has the 
experience has the you know the the view of of what they've done now you know holistically within their perspective they see the error of their ways and it's a direct appeal to those that are listening to him key us you know mm-hmm. those who love him as a way to um as a way to create some holistic ties, if you will. The one lyric that, uh, I mean, there's not many in this line, naturally, but the one lyric that that questions that view is that, you know, for once I watched you fly, leaving your wings behind, is in that third person. And I don't view that as, as someone else that loves our protagonist to Rusty's point. I view that as a third person's perspective or somewhat of an out of body type experience that our protagonist is having here in this endearing monologue. That's, that's my view. Hmm. I uh, never thought of it that yeah. way, but that actually, that makes sense. The, the well, note Jake's are having a, a third person experience. Who else could it be about? Is right. there another character in the story that our protagonist could be witnessing that transformation? Um, to, well, I there's, guess. well, I guess there's the cockroach king. You know, I th- this is from the protagonist's point of view. It's like for what for once I watched you fly, saw what the cockroach king you know spread his wings and fly away, showing you know, hey, you can do this too. That's yes. when he you know, fell to his, to his trap, to his deceit. Well, the next line says it, the path mm-hmm. of fate has gone astray. He was told mm-hmm. he was given a, 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 a begotten dream mm-hmm. in the beginning. He was given a begotten dream. Now the path of fate has gone astray. The brightest skies have turned to gray. It, here's the note I wrote to this. Every trip up the mountain will include death every single one it mm-hmm. will be the death of those you love the most the ones you hold the ones that you hope for or even the ones you hate death claims us all mm-hmm. Th- this mm-hmm. man just lost somebody it's not him he's sitting there still and he's not only lost his life he's losing ones around him and this is him in mourning mm-hmm. going, why am I still here? As death embraces, I'm, I'm, I'm still fucking alive. And mm-hmm. I, I've not only, I, everything is gray. The skies have turned to gray. And I think that thinking of this as him losing the cockroach king um, it is actually the most fluid into the next song. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that if, if, if we took that as kind of the theme of what's happening, um, because this is a short song, you know, it, it doesn't yep. take a lot to, Oh, sorry, Russ. Would you have a, do you have something to add? Oh, I was just, um going to just kind of comment on like the ending kind of, like you said, he's in mourning the, the wails of despair just at the end of the song. It's just, it's haunting. <sighs> It, it, it it's haunting stuff yeah yeah i he is he's sitting there doing these long drawn out notes um he he is 
singing dissonant notes inside of the keys he's in. He is not in a a relative harmony to the um right to the chords yeah, being played by the music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He he is uh it is haunting. Perfect yeah. word here. Fucking haunting. That's uh yeah, that that was it. So yeah. you keep Well you I was keep gonna going say, there. I was gonna say Paradolia is the next song. And this is my second favorite song on the album. It actually beats out Cockroach King for me a bit. Um uh not that I mean Cockroach King is fucking amazing, but I I can't help but have my mind tell me like like once listening to the entire thing, yeah, the significance of the weight of the song, even if I even if it's just on shuffle, and mm-hmm. and it pops up, it it bears the weight of the story for me still. So, Paradolia comes in, and I think if we think as as Death embraces, he watched Cockroach King die, or. D- death to him pareidolia mm-hmm. then um is him recognizing everything he ever believed in was fake like everything yeah. everything mm-hmm. was an illusion mm-hmm. hence the title you know seeing a pattern seeing things that aren't actually there yeah uh yeah believing that they're there and they were real when they don't exist mm-hmm. right I, yeah. I th- this song takes you through a journey of him he, in this song he reprises or he, he goes back through the entire album so far he talks mm-hmm. about his entire journey in this song um yeah and and the the thing that that uh the thing that stuck out to me was um He, he in realizing you could have taken a stance that because your life was based on a lie all was for nothing but you can also take the stance that because it was based on a lie that may free you it may be a, a breath of fresh air re, re, okay. re, realizing that because it was a lie you don't have to believe that it was true you you can right. you can realize that that was not actual darkness void of light it never was darkness to begin with right mm-hmm. um i think this kind of lets the burden the burden of the stone roll off his back if you guys look at the album art uh pareidolia this this thing is is him shedding the stone mhm yeah it, that's true it's getting the weight off his back yeah and, it, and like you said you know like um, not only, you know, does it free, you know, learning that your entire life was a lie, does it not only, you know, can it be a positive thing? Like you said, it, it can give you room to find the truth. Now you can actually, okay, that wasn't the truth. Let me go find what it is. So that, yeah, that's an interesting point. What do you, what are your thoughts on this song, Gritton? I think this is a summation of... And, and a ref, uh, both a reflection and a summation of his life's choices. You know the the path that he's taken, the the life that he has lived. And there's a, a section too where you can kind of hear some of the um, 
yeah, it's in the bridge three, breathe in the pain, keep breathing, won't break these chains, keep digging. You know, basically he's, he's living with the repercussions of his choices and has gotten to the, you know, where he is more or less and is now somewhat living with those, those, those demons living with those choices, living with the consequences and having to see the perspective in the air of his ways and also some of the emotion that he is going to have to save himself a little bit. The last part, um, yeah, the, the last chorus, be the moon and the sun, the wind, be the wind and cross the storm, see the stars begin to swarm, read the writings in the stone, be the moon, be the sun, be the wind, cross the storm. All those those elements coming together makes it seem like the, he is seeing uh, that perspective of trying to get to a point where he's no longer pushing others down. He's trying to be that beacon, that, that idol, uh, idols around where being that model of maybe what not to do and telling the story of his life's errors to others and building them up more or less. Yeah. No, that, no, that's Thoughts? good. Yeah. I think that's actually legit. Um, I hadn't quite. I'm glad you myself. think that's legit. <laughs> it's too legit. I hadn't quite formed what I, my opinion on what the, what the, the symbology of the chorus. Symbolism. What's the symbology there? <laughs> um, <laughs> of what that could be. So that's a really, really interesting perspective. And I think I might adapt that. I, I like the way that feels for this song. Yeah. And if I have to, I mean, I feel like I'm kind of reaching for it a little bit. Like it's, it, it's not something that comes that came to me naturally. Like I, I, mm -hmm. I agree. I, and you and I talked earlier. I don't, I think the last two songs, musically speaking, have, you know, a detached conclusion. I think the the last song is really kind of the you know, really the end of the story for me. I think the mm -hmm. this part before we get to the last song too, this song is very much a a uh, cacophony of wisdom, more or less, that has now been surmised by well, the totality of the, of choices it, and the path that he's taken. Yeah, I was going to say it may be that of all through the cacophony of experiences he's he's gone through he is now privy to a sense of wisdom he's privy to this mm -hmm. where he never would have been before without everything having to have happened there he he now has a choice to actually mm -hmm. view his life and his movements from a a, a perspective of um, ob objectivity, mm -hmm. you know, where maybe he didn't have it. Um, the, 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 the lyrics, uh, the ocean took away my fears and dreams that, but they never returned. So, yeah. so he was, he was actually given freedom from the want for the dream, mm -hmm. the dream that was sold. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I love, I love that line, Britain, uh, be the moon and be the sun, be the wind and cross the storm. 
like you you're, you're embodying not just things within the planet to cross the storm but you're embodying everything that's around you right like it's 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 kind of you know see the stars begin to swarm you you're it's almost like he's taking the culmination of the entire life's event and watch the stars move across the sky. If you look up at the stars in one night, you can't tell they're moving, but if you watch them Mm -hmm. through an entire season, you watch them move across the sky. You know, it's, it's Mm -hmm. like he's judging Mm -hmm. the whole thing from one big view at this point in the, in the, in the movie. Right. What do you think about this song? Jacobus? Where are your what notes? Are your what are your this? notes? Man, I know you wrote so some shit down. I know, I know you did um, write down. Oh, Jake yeah. wrote down. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, definitely. The the first thing that I wrote next to the song title was hands in all caps, hands down, second favorite song. Yeah. Um, and I think that after uh, several years go by of processing this, it would probably take that top spot. Paradolia, um, it's great, dude. It is such a good song. It's just so good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's this has been a really interesting experience, like hearing you guys basically enlighten me on the story because I feel so fucking ignorant at this point. Like I've, and as a compliment <laughs> to you guys that I've learned that much from the start to where we are now. Like it's rad. I get to get to hear this book told to me by my friends. Like that's pretty cool, right? Yeah. That's the, um, the, I think, the positive aspect of exactly this, right? It's the, oh, the yeah, context and the thought processes that all of us have that think of things differently, right? That's why yes. I think this is so much fun. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I love it, man. It's you know. pretty rad. Um, even like taking this song at the first, the very first seconds of it, we hear a sitar yeah. effect on a guitar, but nevertheless... Mm-hmm. The trickery is you're hearing a sitar play this line and like, where'd that come from? I don't know, mm-hmm. but it worked. Why does it work so well, though? <sighs> you dicks. Mm-hmm. Illusion. I also, wrote, <laughs> I also wrote in here, like, I can't get enough of the chorus because it's just so good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the prevailing message underneath it is equally as good as the musicality. So that's a double whammy. Yeah, I do oh, love how they music, did this. Perfect writing. They they mm-hmm. gave us a cut time chorus and yep. be the moon and be the sun and everything else. All the choruses have slowed down the, the the procession of the songs. They've given us these these monumental things. Now this is like they're giving us the song. You're 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 realizing all this stuff is fake. You know, a couple of the lyrics in the in the yep. first couple of verses that really stuck out to me on Paradolia was. Um, uh, well, also they give us the chorus really early on this song. They do not withhold yep. a chorus on us. They kind of give it to us, but um, don't bore us. Get to the chorus. Yes, exactly. yeah, you, Jake, you said it. Um, <laughs> uh, seeking patterns, envisaging pictures of a dying dream, fallen prison, the facade, the wisdom of old scars, like. He is he is mm-hmm. almost actively reliving and like checking himself for everything. Mm-hmm. But but they give us, you know, the the chorus is long on this. Be the moon and be the sun. They repeat it twice, and then they give us this short yeah. second verse, and then you're back into the chorus again. And it's like 
be the moon and be the sun. He's it's he's giving you this epic like mm-hmm. wisdom of of hey, pay attention to everything around you. There is more than there is more in front of you than the experience yeah. you just had behind, right? And that's how I feel every time I talk to your guys' dad. <laughs> <laughs> if, that, if that ain't the truth, oh, no truer it. words have been spoken. Like, listen here, Sonny. <laughs> I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you like, a ten minute it. story that probably doesn't have any relevance to this, but I'll have four seconds of pure gold. <laughs> right? Yeah. Exactly. That's uh, so good. One, one thing that I, I think is interesting, they do it a lot on a lot of their songs, but it's really evident on this one, is the lyrical phrasing, mm-hmm. how they will stretch out syllables of words over measures. Yeah. Like not that, whereas, you know, you sell multiple syllables per word <laughs> per measure, they will stretch out a single syllable for a whole measure. Or and two. if you're not listening to what they're actually saying it, it it's like jake said it's like it's like they're just humming or they're just you know it's just like another layer of music and for the longest time those escaped me and yeah. uh, until i went through and read it with the lyrics with it, it was like and that's when it clicked and all of a sudden the album changed from me from a musical experience to a narrative one right it, it's pretty but yeah it's uh mm. It's so unusual how they do that. Yeah. And it's, it's, but there's so, <laughs> there's so much that's there. You can enjoy it on any level and it's just as valid yeah. as anything else. I love the reflection bridge on this song. Breathe in the air, breathe deeper, don't lose the stare, keep sinking, dull spirits dwell, perceiving, speak within. Like they they mm-hmm. give you this like upward thing, and then the the response is on the backbeat, and it always the reflection always bleeds into the next present thought. Like, show me the way, old spirits, uncertainty. Like they're always the thought is always forcing the next thought, and and it mm-hmm. it really is a meditation. It it seems like this guy is sitting there reflecting and meditating, and and he's. He's surmised that what he thought was fake, and now he's trying to, um, you know, I love the, the words, as I've been forsaken, my veins feel unshaken. Mm-hmm. That little thing is like another one of those super profound moments of recognizing the external facade versus the internal, right? I mean, he's mm-hmm, literally yeah. talking about him uh, inside yeah. and out of the skin. Right. I, um, yeah, that's kind of like, to me, that line kind of feels like maybe like a renewed sense of self. Sure. You know, you know, it's like, even though I've, I've fallen and I've been forsaken in my journey, the very core of me, my veins, they're still, they're still there. Like I'm, you know, that's, you know, it's, it's self, yeah, renewal. As as a way, in a way, you know, and I think that's a pretty interesting part of this story is, you know, in this song, it kind of feels like he's gaining a bit again, but through wisdom, through experience, but he's kind of gaining more of himself back. Yeah, reflection of it. The, 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 the thing that puzzles me, and I, I want to ask if you guys caught on to this, um, 
at the end of this song in the <laughs> what? What? Jake. Oh. Uh, <laughs> right yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. All uh, of it. He, the universe <laughs> is all around us. Read the writings in the stone. He he sat there being singular through the whole part of this song. He's just lost somebody in the last song. But yet at the end, the universe is around us. It's like he's speaking outward. It's like he's actually extending this as a message almost for the first time versus mm-hmm. being singular about his experience. He's kind of actually sharing at the end of this, right? Like mm-hmm. it, it, it is a trans. Mm-hmm. We're, we're seeing a transition happen again from him so do you th- oh go ahead Britt. i see i i see you thinking what do you what'd you call it earlier the wood burning yeah those that fail to uh know history are doomed to repeat it right uh, yes. so yeah right so this is the yeah. uh, again the, the sebation or the wisdom coming through of getting to the end of his path and realizing the error of his ways and all the things that, that resulted in the greed and the, the, all of those things happening. And, and he's saying all of this perspective is around us. Those before us have, have written their experiences and have shared them. And now are it's up to you. It's up to the listener. It's up to the audience. It's up to the, to, you know, every, the, whoever's listening to the statement more or less say that, you know, the, the information is there for you to be better for yourself, to you know make your own wise decisions and forge a path for yourself. But, you know, leverage the collective wisdom of those that have done it around you before and mm-hmm. create that, you know, create your own path. That's legit. That's a, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, the warnings are there. The, the knowledge is there, but it's on you to, uh, you know, it's on you to heed the warnings and take it in for yourself. Yeah. So beware the cockroach um, king. Right. Yeah. Excellent um, point. <laughs> so there's one musical moment that I want to talk to just because I'm a sucker for this kind of stuff. Anytime I hear it, dream theater does it all the time. It's at about three forty-five. It's like the you got like the static notes hitting one right after another. Then you got like these crazy melodies. I love that. Like I will, I don't care how many times I hear something like that. I will just eat it for lunch every time. Stick it right in my veins. It's so good. And and mainline it. And and they're giving you nines. They're giving you sevens. They're giving you elevens. They're just. And they're crescending. They're going down. They're going up. They're changing. You know. Yeah. They're they're giving you a hill Yeah. The keyboard and the lead guitar follow the same type of rhythm. Then the the rhythm guitar and the bass underneath of it with the drums. You're playing a contrasting a contrasting rhythm that really completes a fun picture. That is a fantastic section of that song. Oh yeah, that's one that. Mm-hmm. And you get the first blast beats on this album, and probably the only ones right there, aren't they? I on think the album, so. yeah, that's right at like oh. three forty-two or three forty-one or three forty-two, right in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just and man, what a great fit! Oh yeah, you know it's that blast you have the guitars are, think, playing what thirty-second notes, uh, yes, 30 something, second some, notes? something like that. 
you know, the blast beats. going up and down and up and down. And then you tie that blast beat on top of it. It's like, let's just really put a cherry on top of this thing. It's so tastefully sprinkled in. They just, yeah, the one time on the album. And not even like in Falling Back to Earth or In Memoriam, the really intense songs, you just get it for a few seconds here. And it's just, yeah. Yeah. Chef's yeah. kiss. Well, they give you, they give you a, like, like Jake said, they give you a, a, a couple gent moments earlier in the album that let mm-hmm. you like know that they have this, they have this like catalog of emotive musical qualities that they, that they will put into this. And, they use them as sparingly as like cayenne pepper and curry and things like that, where it will ruin the food if you put too much in. Um, like yeah. garlic, but everybody puts too much in anyways. Oh, I love garlic. Same yeah, thing. I, I was going to say something a little more atrocious than garlic, Jake. What are you going to say, bacon? <laughs> Is mayonnaise spicy for you, buddy? What's going on here? <laughs> Bye guys. <laughs> I'm leaving again. <laughs> it was it was it was southwestern mayo. Thank you oh, very much. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. And uh, a lingering heat to it. Uh, what somebody, somebody once said, um, "I wish I could have been somebody." This section, I know we're jumping ahead quite a bit in the song. But I love how every time that phrase is repeated, a different word is accented on the beat, you know, right on the beat. You know, I wish I could have been somebody. I wish I could have been somebody. I wish I could have been somebody and so on and so forth. You know, I wish I could have been somebody. And every time it has an implicit different meaning, even though the words are the same every time, you know, culminating in, I wish I could have been somebody. It, it, it haunts me. That this was one is of the, the other key haunt- things I was going to highlight, man. This is the other haunting portion of the entire album is this last song. And I think it's because it does not end well for our character. No. It, it, every climb up the mountain ends in death. This song is him dying. This is my last night. This is my final night. He says it multiple times. This is my night. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I think he's searching for, um, I think he's searching for an apology. I think he's searching for not, not an apology for him to give to somebody. I think he's searching for a resolution here. And I don't know if the song explicitly states he gets it. Mm hmm. Yeah, you can tell he feels slighted. Yeah, in this song, you know, like something was was taken from him. Well, the cockroach king fucked him. Well, of course, but yeah, but this is him. Yeah, feel it. Yeah, um, you still think that it's okay? No, I mean literally for you to. Yeah, <laughs> for you <laughs> for you to state the rules you play. Right, but if you could know the length to which I crawl to reclaim my bride, my pride and break down your walls. You know, they have, that's definitely him talking to the cockroach king. You know, how dare you do this to me? And it's, you know, um, yeah, and then because tonight is my night, you will not tear down my wall. So, yeah, this is his kind of, yeah, he feels like it's his last stand kind of like, yeah, this is his last 
the last exclamation the exclamation point on his life. Well, the 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 first words of the chorus, give me back my right to prove that I can fight. He wants his, this these are the death throes. He wants to show he has something to give in the last moments of his life. This is the way I read this. It it is you know the second verse comes right back in at that. Still you think it's okay for you to state the rules of play. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it the, he, yeah. he's trying to claim himself. Mm-hmm. He's, but yeah, there, but there's nothing there. There's nothing left for him to claim. It's all gone. Yep. And so all my fears have drowned. Mm-hmm. Indeed. You know, and then that, that last uh, line before the last chorus, just as a bird was meant to fly, unbind these wings or let me die. You know, they, yeah, that's him saying, look, yeah. that he's truly, you know, at his on his last legs. You know, yeah. it's just let me just let me die. Let me be done or yeah, give me the right to try and and fight one more time. But just let it just end it. Yeah. Let me show them all tonight. This is my night. You know, give me that moment to to, to culminate my life into something that that's there. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's uh, this is such an odd note to end the album on, because, like you said, it's 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 not a satisfactory ending, at least from a narrative well, perspective. Not if you want a successful hero's journey. Right. right. I mean, it's if, mm-hmm. if, if you're wanting him to 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 be hugging his family in a feel of of, you know, golden wheat and and uh, it all end well. Um, yeah, you don't get that. Mm-mm. You know, this is kind of uh, um, the oh, God, what is the <laughs> why can't I remember it? The, the Russell Crowe movie um, Gladiator uh, Gladiator. You know, he. He he dreams of himself being in that field mm-hmm. with his family. Mm-hmm. He never gets to that fucking field, but he dreams of it. Spoiler alert. <laughs> From a movie 20 <laughs> years ago. You know, it's so funny. Right before you mentioned Gladiator, I was actually thinking it's like the ending of Gladiator. Yeah. When he's, you know, he's dying and he's hallucinating. Yeah. I mean, whether or not you want to interpret it as him actually ascending to the afterlife or not but no no that's just his his dying brain hallucinating trying to ease the pain of his suffering yeah yeah side note i named my dog after that character well that's good his full name his full name maximus decimus meridius is my dog's full name he's a good boy dude he's the best boy do you call him max for short oh yeah or snack pack or Maxi Moose. He's got a bunch of names. Ah, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Right. As as one does. Yeah, I have I have, you know, probably ten fucking nicknames for my dogs. So <laughs> at least. Um yeah, I think I think though that they do a they kind of do justice to the creative storytelling arc of this in making it a little more real life than fairy tale. They they give you a bit of what reality kind of tastes like for a lot of people. Um, yeah. 
you know, they're not, they're not sugarcoated. They haven't sugarcoated much of his life yet, this whole album. And they're not giving that to you in the end either. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good point. So when I was listening to it um, yesterday, I was listening to this album for the last time in preparation for yeah. this. And, you know, the end, you got the, you get to the very end of this song and you have those horns, the, the horns that play this final tri almost like a triumphant ending. And mm -hmm. immediately I wonder, I thought my, I found myself wondering, what is Britain going to think about this? Cause anytime I hear any kind of so something like that, it's like, it's, I don't, I don't know why, but that's, you're where my thoughts went in preparation for this. And what do you think? Like the the final horns at the end of this song. Do you think there's like a sim like the symbology there? What do you think? Symbolism. <laughs> this this symbolism. I so similar to like my conversation a little bit around um as death embraces Paradola a little bit. I'm I, I feel more reaching than any obvious connections that come into play. Cause I, I, I agree that some of these, some of these threads feel inconclusive, but it's also hard to draw connections to a lot, to some of these things without inferring or assuming, you know, what has happened that wasn't really told. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, because we're of course only getting a glimpse over the course of the 60 or you know plus minutes of this album but the last few pieces of, of that is just is you know of somebody really just says to me that i know i fucked up i know that where i have been is not where i thought i would go originally or what i thought this would be what i thought the top or the pinnacle would be and I'm just ready to let go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm not saying like it's, it's a suicidal thought, right? Like the last chorus right. ring is give me, give me, give me back my right to prove that I can fight. Let me show them all tonight. This is my night. Um, I don't really see that as being aggressive, suicidal or any of those things. I just see it more mm -hmm. along the lines of just, of just saying, I'm, I see, I've seen the error of my ways. I've seen that, um, you know, I've seen that, I, I've seen that issue, right? I've seen that the pinnacle, the, the contrast of the vision versus what has become. And I, I've gotten to the point where now I want to show them I'm not that man. I'm not that, um, I'm not bound by those decisions. I'm not the, the same person that, made those decisions now that I, that I was back then, right. We're so driven by the, still the vision in the end. And now I'm, I'm at the point, you know, I, that I want some sort of reprieve. I want to be, you know, let go of the chains of the, those visions or the correlation of those decisions to me right. and say, and prove that I can still, you know, I can still move forward. I can still be, you know, a man or whatever the yeah, the, yeah. the line you want to draw there is. That's inter That's interesting. It it makes me then wonder, how do you in 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 just your monologue right there be um, 
the, the words right before it, just as a bird was meant to fly, unbind these wings or let me die. He He's saying that he either needs to be able to fly or there's nothing left worth living for, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who now at this point do you think he's talking to? Because if if yeah, if if he's saying you know equivalent to a bird, meaning being meant to fly, he still has a chance to fly because everything before this kind of said that he's he is like accepted his place and where he's at and the culmination of his journey. Mm-hmm. Why would he then be? Do you think separating? wanting to still fly unbinding his wings let him free or just kill him like what Mm -hmm. where Mm -hmm. where do you think that is yeah i think that i think others you know externally to him are binding him to you know his his prior indecision his prior choices and he's being shackled more or less and held back by them right like you know if you killed somebody right even if you get out of jail you're still going to be viewed as a murderer fly free from even though you rehabilitated yourself yeah gotcha gotcha yeah 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 that that's that's my thought on that right it's it's not so much as a you know he you know wants to be set free and otherwise kill him i don't see that as as that uh you know as as being literal sure i see that being you know more you know more figurative and i think going back to the wisdom conversation of like you know having lived through life at this point and having you know uh, trampled his way to the top more or less and you know has been pulled back down now he's trying to get to the point where he can share that wisdom with others really more or less and wants to you know continue to live a life that's not shackled by you know his former past his past you know uh, poor yeah. choices no that makes that actually really fits perfectly uh yeah mm-hmm. no, that works rusty i have a question bro um at the beginning of this, you you, you gave a, a a summation of the album when we started of of a pretty uh, nondescript kind of story arc that didn't mm-hmm. really nail down character arc that much. Do you, do you still feel the same way now after our discussion as you did kind of going into the beginning? Or do you think there's a bit more weight to maybe the claim that there is a a distinctive story arc made for a character? You know, I think um, I've kind of been weighing that as as our talk has been going. Yeah. And I think after kind of hearing your points of view and Britain's points of view and Jake's points of view. Yeah, Jake. Um, yeah, Jake, you're there too. We got you, buddy. <laughs> right on. <laughs> we, uh, I think I do kind of find myself leaning more towards a, a true, like a, a narrative plot, a character arc. Um, I think, I think you guys have, have swayed the needle on me. I think, I think I'm more in that camp now that yeah. there is a, a true character arc that happens to somebody in this, on this album. A nondescript person, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Somebody that's nobody. Right. Mm-hmm. It, he um, is the person that. that sense of. Honestly, I think you can take the alliterative approach and and say that the, the effective protagonist is meant to draw conclusions to yourself. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I mean, oh, sure. th that's, I think that's getting a little deep, right? But like, the other side too is you could also say it's them somewhat telling the story of the band. I think that's what, um, mm -hmm. I think that's yeah. what Ray had kind of said in an interview at one point where it was kind of a, you know, an alliteration to, you know, their story more or less. And I think that's where the story arc can kind of take it. I, I'm sure there's, you know, the, they haven't crashed and burned, right? So I'm not exactly saying, you know, there, there's not a, a full parallel drawn there, but, you know, emotionally speaking, it's the roller coaster of life, right? Well, mm -hmm. if, if, if you take specifically, I, I had never actually heard, thought about them, this being a, an analogy to their band. But if, if, if you take that seriously and somebody being the last initial song on the album, um, just as a bird was meant to fly, unbind these wings or let me die. It's like, hey, everybody, uh, our band has written this and culminated this, and we've gotten here. Uh, don't hold us to this, or we're dead. Uh, we're we're going to be changing our sound. <laughs> just as a bird I was just, meant to fly. I just had a light bulb because I'm looking at you know I looked at who wrote the lyrics to this. And this is the only song on the album with the lyrics written by the bass player at the time. Ah. And he would leave after Jesus this album. Yeah, he weird. left after this album. <laughs> so do you think this... And so, confirmed. So, so do you think that that line is kind of maybe the, a message? The bass player being like, later, boys, I'm out of here. <laughs> kind of, you know, kind, kind of like, a, you know, uh, going back to that Dream Theater, kind of like... Yeah, kind of like space divest for Kevin Moore. Yeah, you know that's which is really kind of him lyrically saying, "Yeah, I'm I'm out of here. I'm done with this." Yeah, maybe that's what this is. I mean, I you know I I can't speak for him. Obviously, that's, that's very very uh, very good to think, man. That's a good point. Good point. Wow. All right. Well, uh, I think. Oh, dude. Can oh. we talk about the horns at the end of this song? Yes. The wall of like 100%. Yeah. darkness that you get hit with at the end. Dude, that is fucking gold. It's it's it is heavy shit. It's I mean not, not heavy in the metal way, but it's it's, it's emotionally a, heavy. It's a funeral procession. It's, That's what I thought totally. of immediately when I heard it is this is his funeral and we're hearing it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he. I would love to it. comment that the, that the drummer played tuba in that last yeah. section, <laughs> which is <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, and I think yeah, he's credited with tuba. <laughs> <laughs> Multi-talented man. Uh, he paid yeah, I think the whole, for sure, and also pay, tuba. Pay dumbs. Uh, yeah. Any, I mean, every every drum track I write now, I it's called "I Pay Dumbs," and it has been for the last like two years. Aaron, if you look at those files, I, I, I noticed that immediately. Yeah. I pay dumbs. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> yeah when I try, yeah, to when when I try and take a half-hearted attempt to try and program some drums, I pay yeah. dumbs. That's what I do. But yeah, the, going back to the horns at the end, I think that's exactly what it is. It is the the end, the ending of this character it is you know they they took the, he he posed to them you know let me fight or let me die and they let him die 
Yeah. Yeah, they did not unshackle his wings. No. They wouldn't give it up for, for the sake of what else they would lose in the process. Although I, I think one thing that's interesting is you mentioned the album art. Look at the album art for this song. It's him pushing the stone away. Yes. So one can infer that even though maybe they didn't unshackle him, the weight of the stone that he was carrying in the beginning is is finally unburdened him. It's finally, you know, he's finally doesn't have to carry the weight now. It's in his death, but, you know, he's finally set free of the weight that he felt on his shoulders. Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, I wish I could have been somebody. I think that's still the echo of, of this song. Um, it's mm-hmm. called Somebody, I, but I, I wish I could have been is, you know, th- those horns play and those are the wishes, you know, mm-hmm. that is him still. I mean, that's kind of how the song ends for me. The the album ends for me uh, mm-hmm. in, in the, the fullness of the, I think what they meant it to be. Yeah. I agree. Well, um, oh, great, great. With, ending. Yep. Everybody go out and listen to this goddamn album. It's, it's again, whether you choose to just, yeah, don't not don't care a damn about the lyrics and just take in the audio experience. It is just as fulfilling yeah. as listening to the story and drawing your own conclusions on the story. Because well, there's, oh, sorry, Rusty, sorry. Because there's so much depth to both sides. Every time I listen to this album, I find some new musical element that I didn't realize was there before. You know, whether it be a, a bass fill or a a hidden guitar melody. You know, something along anything along those lines, it's there. Yeah. And there can be just spent as much time unpacking the music as you can the story. I was gonna ask Jake, uh being a man who um focuses primarily on on the music uh for your absorption into this and, yeah. and not really having now hearing that, are you kind of already thinking of your next time listening through this album, having heard the story to reflect on it how how are you kind of thinking about it now from before to now i mean you've 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 taken a quite a journey on this ride i think mhm yeah for sure it's been a, a really like i said just really interesting interesting to have the story explained um and it certainly has changed my opinion of the album overall um there's because in my opinion ambiguity is a tough thing to quantify mm. Right. And if you're like I said, I haven't had years listening to this. So a lot of it's still really new to me and really fresh. So I'm taking in the music is where I always get drawn. But the story is really fascinating. Um, And I would certainly like to dive into it a little deeper and learn more. For sure. Do it. (laughs) Uh, Okay. I dare you. You talked me into it. (laughs) That was easy, guys. We got him. It only took two hours and 54 minutes and 17 seconds to get him hooked, line, and good. sinker into thinking about it. Well, damn. <laughs> you got me. You uh, should sell extended warranties. <laughs> they don't work. <laughs> they don't work. No. They're all taken from the man. Mm-hmm. So, if uh, I can take um, a stab, I think to, to, to Rusty's point, I think they're. For those that that 
take us up on listening to this album for one i think there's two aspects of this that, that are um i think great for a casual metal listener too that the instrumentals are absolutely insane if you don't give a damn about the lyrics i mean this is a, a banger right i mean we we focused a lot lyrically on the story of this album which is is interesting for the undertones of it but in the like on the surface i mean the instrumentals alone are absolutely insane they're yeah. they they are you know top-notch musicians for one and this is a, a extremely well composed album well spotify like, musically has, speaking spotify has entire instrumental versions of this album to listen to so yeah um, it is just it is a fucking journey um I, I i think you miss i think you miss ross's voice as an instrument in the instrumental versions there is an emotive quality that it does to round out the the composition of the album that his voice does man it, it adds to dissonance when you need it it completes the it it completes chordal tones when you need it um it 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 does a lot of the heavy lifting of the feeling of the album is Ross's voice so yeah for sure mm-hmm. you know it's um i want to ask a question to you guys so I, I don't know how far back you want to go. If you want to go since the two, since 2010 or since 2000, but, or however far back you want to go, but where would you put this album as far as your favorite prog albums? Like how, how would you say, how high do you, would you say this album ranks for you guys? Whoa, that's a tough Cause, question, man. Because I'm I'm gonna be real, you know. As big of a Dream Theater fan as I am, I have them tattooed on me, you know. Yeah, I think that this album is better than anything that they've released since this time. As far as a complete listening experience, this this album absolutely stands in the exact same park as scenes from a, a memory. Like yeah. it, it, it does the work. It captures the emotion. Um, is it as good as it? No. Does it compete with that and other, uh, I mean, I mean, y- you have a handful of concept albums, um, operation mind crime, I mean, they're, I'm not, I'm talking about just overall concept for me. Everything that involves in making a concept, an album, a piece of work as a whole, Mm -hmm. all the way through. There aren't many that do this work. I mean, the wall is in there. Um, Yeah. There's not a lot. Right. I think, would you put it on a Mount Rushmore of concept albums? If that, if that, Mount Rushmore was five to eight bands long. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's I not. I would going to. I wouldn't put it in top three. For okay. me. Okay. What were you going to say, Brent? I would. I would put this in the Hall of the Very Good, right? Okay. To one of my my good friends also on this call as far as rankings go. I'm also not going to not going to consider 
ranking this or, or placing it amongst others. I think the on the whole, it stands on its own as a very good album. Um, it has the flow. It has the the you know, the perceptions of the story. All the songs can stand on their own as well. Musically, it's it's insane. But at the same time, it's it's different. It's not like Scenes from Memory is a very cohesive story. It's a very uh, yeah. literal. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a very literal story. It's not it, for me anyway. A lot of the concepts that we've talked about for this album were not directly told, and some of that makes makes it more intriguing for me. But the other side too means it's deeper mentally than I may care to invest on a regular basis. I think on the whole, it does stand as a, as a fantastic album. I'm not going to, to say it's in the same parking lot as scenes from memory. Right. I'm going to, there's it's in, if we're going to put it in tears, more or less Mm -hmm. operation, mind crime, um, you know, scenes from memory, uh, rush 2112, those are the pinnacles of progressive concept albums uh, that, that will stand the test of time forever. I, this has the chance to to do that as well, but I don't see that as the same as the same tier. And I, I'm probably grasping at straws a little bit, and I'm, I'm probably pissing off a lot of Hagen fans by saying that. But the same at the same time too, it is an absolute insane album, and I I, I do love it but it's it hasn't hit that level of classic for me and i think well part of it is just because i have not listened to it nearly enough as much as i have those others as much as the others have been respected for so long and maybe in 10 years it if if it's it gets there right well well think about Um, it think about it prior to scenes came out in 99 so it had already lived and had breath before we discovered it and then we've had oh, yeah. we've had fifteen years of listening to it ourselves to divul di- digest it, you know, become mm-hmm. part yep. of that album. This 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 album, bare. I mean, it's not even ten years old yet. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. You know, let's. let's I mean, I I first listened to scenes from a memory, and I probably either two thousand one or two thousand two. For the first time, that's twenty. And I, correct. Mm-hmm. I probably have listened to it a minimum of a thousand times. Yeah, in that mm-hmm. in that time span, right. a minimum. Yeah, oh, yeah so there are sure. songs from scenes from a memory that have been in my top Spotify counts for the last five years in a row. Beyond this life and is always in my rotation, plays. like forever, mm-hmm. forever, yeah. forever. Beyond this life yeah, is strange always strange. Deja vu. Beyond this yeah. life. Yeah, um, I'm just saying. Like, I have this album has not gotten that that attention from since we're it, si- it might since it we're, certainly might. But si- since we're in wrap up conversation, sorry to interrupt. I actually wanted to have this conversation with you, and I think it's good to do here because if you guys, if you out there listening, like what we're doing, and you have album recommendations for us, send them in. But on this note of albums, we make consider do we want to tackle things like scenes 
things like Master of Puppets. Do we want do we want to go for these iconic albums that maybe are staples everyone's heard or do we want to add subcontext? Do we want to add like how do we cuz cuz we just did an album that we love that is not a favorite of ours and we spent 3 hours talking about it. I can only imagine the detail we're going to talk about if we try to take on a master or a scenes. How do you guys feel about tackling those? I say, uh, bring them on. I think it'd be cool to have a mixture of ones that are beloved classics, as well as the deep cuts that people don't really know about. You know, but ultimately, I think since as long before, you know, as it's us four doing this, as long as, you know, the albums that we pick mean something to us. You know, I think that's the most important thing. Um, But yeah, I think Mm -hmm. someday we could take on scenes. I think that would be a really fun conversation to have. But uh, yeah, I think we should pick for the, at least for the first bit, let's be a little more eclectic about it and pick albums that maybe Mm -hmm. the other people haven't listened to, you know, just to to try and gain their perspectives on it. That's how I feel. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And I've got a fairly solid one, I think, lined up for us next. I'm not going to drop it right now. Good. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. It's, it's, it's right. It's right in that wheelhouse too. Um, but to get back to your question, Aaron, Scenes from a Memory is by far and large my number one album of all time. And in, has influenced my musical taste more than anything ever has. Mm-hmm. Yeah. More than any of the classical stuff I've done, you know, or, orchestral or in you know wind symphony stuff that we I was involved in for so long. More so than anything with jazz. More so than any of that. Musically speaking, it's that that has shaped a lot of my influence for sure. Yeah, I think that's like like that's like episode 50 like like let let's make a, a staple of the fucking epi- you know of the of the series mm-hmm. and and culminate it at a crucial point with something as amazing as that you know okay i'm good with that jake how about you i want I, you've been awfully quiet there i want to uh yeah i, 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 I want to i want to hear your thoughts on this album as a, as a whole now that we've gone through it I think outside of a couple of bands being meaning specifically Dream Theater and Symphony X, um, honestly, my knowledge of progressive music is is pretty minimal. Um, so for me, I mean, like as far as modern prog bands are concerned, I mean, Haken falls into the number three spot for me behind Dream Theater, Symphony X and Haken. I mean, it's pretty cut and dry for me. Um, but if you're going to put it up against, you know, albums from Yes or Rush or ooh, now that's different. King Crimson. Um, yeah, absolutely. King Crimson. Mm-hmm. Um, so this one, uh, dude, it's definitely got long and sturdy legs with which to stand on. And I think it will only get better with time. As as we, and uh, like Britain, as you were talking about, you know, listening to scenes from a memory for the first time twenty years ago, you've also built memories around listening to it, which right attaches emotion. 
Yeah, imagine imagine fifteen year old yous. No, no, really. Imagine fifteen or sixteen year old U three with all your Mountain yeah. Dews and N sixty fours and Xbox One, X, original Xbox series, and sitting there at night on Halo. on Halo parties, listening <laughs> to the Mountain. Right at that time, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, it, imagine it would be a having very different uh, reflection. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I imagine we could see how that would be a perp- perf- perfectly uh, applicable replacement for oh yeah one of these, right? Yeah, yep, for sure. That's, and that's you know, fair. we just haven't uh, we just haven't grown that attachment to it, that emotional attachment to the album yet. But it will come with memories. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I remember this I, I one time I was sitting. Excellent. Yeah. Um, well, I think um, we could probably close it close yeah, it on that. I think that's great. I think we've culminated everything we need to, to say for this. Um, I am excited to see what next week's album choice comes, uh, or next month's. I guess we're, we're going to do one of these a month about yep. theirs. So, you know. Uh, Schedule is willing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Russ, so yeah, I great am. album choice this 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 month, man. Good job. Thank way you. to way to start off twenty twenty two, uh, with a with a true banger. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. uh, it's my yeah. pleasure, and I'm glad that you guys were receptive to it. And like to echo what Aaron said, Britain, I can't wait to see what you pick. Mm-hmm. Oh, I am man. beyond excited. We're gonna, get a little, we're gonna get a little heavier next month, boys. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, hey, yes. Don't threaten me with a good time. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Take right, us guys, out of here, Russ. It's been a pleasure talking to all of you. And um, I'm going Likewise. to go ahead and sign off at that note. And I will chat with you all. I'll, ca- I'll catch you on the flip side. Catch you on the flip side. One, two, three, four.